Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. Yeah! And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah! Oh, oh the second double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I don't know about you. I'm ready to go here. Busy show for you. Well... Give you a little heads up as to what to expect a little bit later on. We'll do that coming up in just a minute. So I played a little bit of hoop last night. Felt good about it. Actually, I didn't. I'm lying to you. I didn't feel good. I feel better than usual, which is still not good. But I was playing, so whatever. Uh, anyway, I got the front end of watching the Heat get smoked. That was pretty cool. I don't mind that at all. I'm not a big fan of Atlanta. Honestly speaking, though, I like Quinn Snyder. I know a lot of you don't. Uh, he's got that very unique look. It looks like that <laughs> he's been in somebody's cigar lounge drinking nothing but but whiskey sours for a long period of time. He, he kind of looks like that to me, but I, I think the guy can coach. I really can. I do. Uh, not a big fan of Atlanta, but I didn't like, like watching Miami get beat. But let me tell you this. I, I got home last night just in time for the second half and then the overtime of the Lakers and the Timberwolves, and I will take more than that. That's just one of the reasons why I absolutely love playoff basketball in the NBA. You know this in general terms. I like basketball a great deal anyway. It doesn't take a lot, right, for me to watch, for me to, to hopefully be a part of. I just enjoyed a great deal. But, man, I thought last night was great. I did. It's not anything that really jumped off the page. It wasn't a great level of play. I, I am still astounded by the level on which LeBron is able to play at the age of 38 and absolutely everybody gunning for him, everybody coming at him. And he is still able to do what he does. That, to me, is still incredibly amazing. But there was nothing that really stuck out last night. I just thought it was great. Great theater. Lawrence North got a little bit of love from Reggie Miller last night with Mike Connolly knocking down those three free throws with, what was it, point two or whatever remaining. And that first one, that first one just crawled over the rim. Yeah, he put that up there pretty soft. If you've ever shot like that before, you knew he was going to make the next two. You knew the hurdle was going to be that first one. And there was a bit of an alligator arm going on there. And it just kind of bounced, bounced, and crawled over the rim. 
and then he was going to be money on those next two. You knew that. Timberwolves end up losing, but I thought that that was really good theater in a portion of the NBA now with that play-in tournament that a lot of people don't like. I guess I do. I just There's something about it. I know these teams last night, even if you lost, you get another chance, get a do-over, if you will. And obviously these teams tonight won't, but at the same time, there's just something about it. We just, we like playoff settings. We like brackets. We love it. I'm not suggesting it's the same as the NCAA tournament. It's kind of my argument on where we are now in terms of free agency or the offseason in sports compared to the in-season in sports. It's almost like that the offseason in sports is either neck and neck or overtaking the in-season. Because you can just go on and on and talk about, well, this could happen. This may happen. Look what we're doing right now. Regarding this draft, listen, I've talked about this so much, I don't know where else to go. I did a podcast with Jonathan, the Tony Katz producer, a little bit earlier today that I I retweeted that out, and I went for like 20 minutes, and I, I don't know really where else to go with it. And that's something I brought up. We end up tying ourselves in a knot over this because there's so much to talk about. So many layers to hit, even if most of which is going to end up being untrue or a waste of time, a waste of breath. That's what you get in the offseason. But let me tell you this, being around as long as I have, I know this, that you love it. You love that and you love yourself a good playoff. You love the, and I know they're not one and done situations with the best ofs. But you love yourself a good playoff, a good bracket to a playoff. Like that's where we are today in terms of sports. There's so much to gather. Like I give you a great example. You know, in a game, right? In a game, you discuss who wins and who loses. And you can talk about and break down and criticize both sides of it on how either team got there. But then you kind of got to leave it at that with the off season stuff. We dive into all the stinking time. Think about us. We get into the off season for the Colts and we know damn straight how Chris Ballard for six years has handled it. But we end up talking about all this other crap that we know at the time is no way in the world. This is going to happen, but we end up talking about it anyway. Love it. Absolutely love it. And you compare that to a playoff, you can compare that to a bracket. And I know a lot has been said and not kindly said regarding the whole AT&T NBA playing tournament. But I thought last night was pretty enjoyable. And frankly, there were four teams I couldn't give a crap less about. It is basketball that I do enjoy. But I couldn't care less about any of those teams that participated. I didn't have a rooting interest. I just wanted a little bit of drama. I, I didn't mind Miami getting whipped. I think that's pretty funny. I don't like Atlanta. <laughs> Quinn Snyder looks like he hangs out in the lounge. And you get a little bit of drama going on. Soap opera with the Timberwolves will take it. Up 15. You know, anymore, so much is made a big deal. And I mean... 
on every level, but especially collegiately in the NBA. So much is made of teams that blow big leads. What is a big lead to you anymore? What's a big lead to you? You have to, to me now, especially in the NBA, you got to be approaching 22, 25 for it to be described as a big lead anymore. Because we're all too familiar with teams getting up, having themselves a run, and then getting back into it. When you go back, big, you're talking about 10 points. When it went to double figures, oh, man, I don't know about this. This may now be out of reach anymore, whatever. What is that, a couple of different possessions, and you're right back there. I thought the plan was great last night. I don't know how compelling it's going to be later on tonight. And again, I don't know how compelling it is for you. But it caught me a little bit last night. I stayed up until I don't think that Laker-Timberwolves game ended until around 1 a.m. And there I was. Rocking and rolling today on about four hours and 20 minutes of sleep time. Now, it's solid bed rest with Aurora Sleep Clinic. But four and a half hours of bed rest, nonetheless. I was rocking on it right now. I just, I couldn't, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go, if if this gets up, this lead gets up a little bit more, I'm going to hit it. And I almost did it before the end of the regulation, right? I thought, I'll go ahead and go here. This thing's over. Yeah, this inbounds play, it's over. And then they throw a cross court. <laughs> and Anthony Davis fouls Mike Conley Jr., in the quarter, Mike Conley Jr.'s jumper, by the way, hit on top of the backboard. It looks like one of your jump shots. It hit on top of the backboard and bounced twice. He goes to the free throw line. So I'm glad I was there. It's outstanding stuff. So, yeah, I mean, again, we look at it around here based upon how we view it with the team that we care about, and that's the Pacers. And again, I completely understand why it would be better off not to make it. Like I I want to see them win and grow from winning. But I do understand why when you bring up leverage so much, I guess it ends up sinking in. But I do understand why you give yourself some opportunities to really grow. You know, other than moving back a little bit, like still playing always seems like a good deal to me. Hey, teams that turn down the NIT, and I know you're talking about storied programs like North Carolina, but if you have guys you truly care about, of which you know they're going to be back and know they're going to be a part of the program or know they're going to be a part of the professional team for the foreseeable future, I always thought, the more that you can play and play against real competition, the better. But it's tough to argue. It's tough to argue what you're trying to do and, you know, making sure you can take your chances. I mean, with Kevin Pritchett in mind, with his meeting with the media, it kind of seems like, you know, we talk about how important this offseason is for the Pacers. And hopefully he's not just blowing smoke up our rear ends right here. You got to be aggressive. You know, I talked about something we brought up prior to the trade deadline about a couple of big deals they have on the table. I will say this. I bet you more times than not, there are big deals on the table. I, I often think about this because I've backed up 33 so much in my life here. 
I've backed up 33 so much that every time Bob Kravitz comes on this show and is beginning a reference of Miles Turner, he says, your guy, Miles Turner. So Miles Turner is my guy. We've talked like, I think, five times in interviews. So I, I, I don't know him. Um, I, I do like Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. It's a little bit intriguing to me. So we could probably have a conversation about Boba Fett or a snow trooper. Right. Or a Tauntaun or something like that. We could have that conversation. But we've never talked outside. So I, I, he's not quite my guy. I just stood up for the dude when basically nobody else around here would. Like me and my friend Greg and that's it. Everybody else just jumped on the bandwagon. Everybody else was just taking a swing, but I I got through it. I got here on the other side, and I feel good about where we are right now. So my guy, Miles Turner, I wonder how many times Miles Turner was a part of a big deal that they have discussed, because I'm assuming it is probably as big as the lead that the Timberwolves blew last night. What was that, 15? 15 of the first of the second half right there. I bet it was every bit as big as that. So when I heard that, I'm thinking, you know, this does happen all the time. But he is right about one thing. He is right about one thing, that this team is in position to make some major moves. I know it kind of gets lost. It really does. It gets lost because we talk about it. It gets lost like trying to find a leader with the Colts at quarterback. Me talking to you about how important to the Colts the leadership value is. Because we we talk about it in terms, and especially when things are going well. And it's just, oh, by the way, you need a leader too. Well, oh, by the way, you need to have a big offseason. Oh, by the way, teams or guys, I should say, from other teams will start looking around here and going, you've got a significant piece. That didn't look that bad. I'm not suggesting they're going to be major players in free agency, major winners in free agency. But to me, from what we have seen, there certainly is a changing of the guard. And I know that other than Eagle Creek and Morse Reservoir and Geist and a couple of ditches and cricks and White River, there's there's no water features around here, no mountains. You know, a couple of those places that I mentioned may have a sandy beach, dirty sandy beach or two. I mean, this is still not a destination location for most except for me and you out there. But in terms of being a part of something that you you do see growing, I'm not making this up. You can see it. You can absolutely see it. I'm not here to be a cheerleader for the team. You know me better than that. But you can see it. You can see the growth opportunity that they have coming up this offseason. So as much as I want to see them grow in terms of continuing to play, and maybe even winning and growing from that, which I think is very important. I can also see the importance of this offseason, the importance in having some options 
and helping dive into what is necessary for you as a team to get better. I'm not lost on that. I just always come from the category of you get better by playing, being competitive, and then winning. That's how I think that you get better. But you can see the opportunities, the options you have in growing this team. And the excitement should be there for you. I'm not trying to give you a feel-good because we're talking about a team that didn't make the postseason. In a league where nearly everybody makes the postseason. But I am talking about what is real, and you can see it. And make no mistake, this is a huge off-season for this team. Got some people looking around right now going, oh, okay. Well, that's not like it was, for example, a year ago or prior to a year and a half ago. They're not trying to play with two big guys. You know, that's no longer the place where Oladipo decided to bail and lose just a crap load of money in the process, or uh, that's not the place any longer where Paul George said, all right, enough is enough. I'm going to utilize my leverage and get the hell out of Dodge. I mean, things have changed. Even if you can't see it on the floor in this postseason, things have changed. And Kevin Pritchard's right about something. I mean, you got to go big or go home on this. And that is the level in which I, you, we all should hold them accountable for that. Whether it's Kevin or Chad or, or Rick Carlisle or whomever. Because that now should be the expectation. You know, they gave you that taste this past year. They gave you that taste of, oh, wow, this is what this could be. Now it's time to put it all together and start showing it, not just for the short term and a flash in the pan, but for the long term. We'll talk to Tony East about that, locked on Pacers and a bunch of other stuff that he does. He's going to join us. He's really good about these coin flips and all this stuff that we're not so good on. Tony's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour to explain that. I think Bowen's here in the 4 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen, morning show. Kevin and Query, you heard of those guys? Just listen to those guys in the morning? I didn't get a chance to hear this morning. What were they talking about? Oh, we'll ask coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Bowen's going to be here. Uh, The Colts, and for the first time, the Colts, the players, everybody... Uh, getting a taste of their new head coach, Shane Steichen. And a lot has been made, in particular about me, and I've talked about this before. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. It is my job to be prepared. So the first time I had Shane Steichen on, uh, lucky enough for me, uh, during my preparation, I decided to listen to the first interview that he did here. And that was a, a face-to-face, which is different. When you're face-to-face, it is different than when you're over the phone. Most of the time. Let's just say 90% of the time it's different in terms of interviews. But they were in studio over at the Colts Complex, and our good friend Matt Taylor was talking to new head coach Shane Steichen. And I could tell that Shane Steichen was incredibly short with all his answers. And you have to be prepared on two things. You have to be prepared. You have to have questions loaded up beyond just the one you just ask. 
and you have to be prepared and it be noted to talk mostly about football because clearly, at least so far, he cares about little else. There's really no discussions he wants to get into. Like, I could have brought up, remember Indiana State's head football coach back, I think, until 2014 or around 2014, that was Mike Sanford. Well, Mike Sanford was the associate head coach at Louisville when Shane Steichen got his first gig. And remember, Mike Sanford came on this show and talked about how when he was there, that Shane Steichen would sleep in his basement because that was his first gig, trying to get used to things. And I noticed at the time that that Shane Steichen really didn't want to talk about anything like that other than what he planned on doing with his team, how he was going to coach this team. And it can be difficult because you don't know. Or let me say this. You may know, but you don't want us or anybody else to know. So you stay as vague as possible. And that will make a short answer only care about one thing, which is his trade football. And then also being vague in how you approach basically the world of football, knowing what you need to do in or around or wherever at number four. So you could tell that. You could tell he only wanted to talk about football and he was going to be incredibly short. So here's what I thought about doing. And once he was signed as the quarterback, you know, they're going to obviously pick somebody. If he starts, if he starts week one, if he starts for an extended period of time, whatever. But I thought because of his three-year relationship with Shane Steichen, that there would be one person, one incredibly outgoing person that could come on this show and explain a little bit more about what to expect, a little bit more about who the head coach of the Colts might be. Anybody gather the name of the person that I came up with here? Can you guess? And it was really, it was perfect today because I was sitting downstairs and I thought, you know what, I'm going to call over there and see if uh, he wants to come on a little bit later on. I think mostly everybody, not everybody, but mostly everybody's in town. So let's take a shot at it. So regarding that and the past mastery in moments against the Colts under center, uh, the legend of descriptions from uh, Uncle Rico to Menchu Mania, his path through college, going to a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback a year ago and where he is today and how he likes where he is today. Gardner Menchu is scheduled to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. About 4.30, we'll discuss that and a lot more. Hey, believe me, to get a little bit more insight on the new head coach, the first-year head coach here in Indy, I didn't think there was anybody out there that was better to give us just that and do it in a very colorful way. And I retweeted the La Flama Blanca video from 2021. I swear there's got to be a sequel to that at some point. Outstanding. Gardner Menchu is going to join us coming up at 4.30 today. And it's not lost on this show that it was a couple of days ago. It was incredibly cool. I mean, obviously, number one overall selection. Uh, Leah Boston, South Carolina. 
And then number seven, and number seven brought the fever, Grace Berger. Grace Berger's been on this show before. Grace Berger has been a part of an incredible renaissance in IU women's basketball down in Bloomington, and she was basically the leader of that. If the leader wasn't Terry Moore and the head coach, the leader on the floor was Grace Berger. Grace Berger was the seventh overall selection by the Fever a couple of nights ago, and Grace Berger is going to join us on this show coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, and I cannot wait for that. Very good the first time she was on, still in the season, and now moving on to have a professional career on the WNBA, Grace Berger. Going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. All right. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number. If you guys want to jump on board, you certainly can. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I jumped in there a moment ago. Actually, before the midday show was over. I, I want to get in this. I, I kind of want to warm up the group a little bit, right? James, does that work? Does it just go from them to us? Is it the same stream or is it different? Is it the same YouTube channel, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to warm up the room is what I try to do. Kind of way, so I got in there and I, I started. I never knew you could do this, but if you sing, if you sing into the uh, the audio button on your phone, it'll go ahead and it'll type it out inside the lounge via YouTube Live. So I had a couple of good Keith Sweat lines in there too, trying to warm up the group. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the Ride with JMVs inside YouTube Live, we call it the lounge where you can watch, listen, and participate. So if there's some reason why one of the FMs is not doing it right, or there's a reason why you can't get the stream or the app or whatever, know that YouTube Live adds not just the audio portion of it, but get a good visual of me rocking my oil Derek old school Houston Oilers t-shirt today. And you can also participate, which is cool. And like I said, we have different conversations, and I I can separate the two. We have a different conversation. Sometimes I can't tell you what we're talking about on the air. We have a different conversation inside the lounge via YouTube Live as we do on the air. It's just really fun. Got a good group in there, so check it out. Again, the Ride with JMV. That's YouTube Live. We call it the Lounge, the Ride with JMV. It is up and going right now. It's HD Radio, the stream, the app, and Tony East will break down the type of offseason we all should expect from what Kevin Pritchard had to say about that. Tony East uh, Forbes of Locked On Pacers and more set to join us. Grace Berger, Gardner Menchu, Kevin Bowen also on the way. So Wednesday, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Nachos, lemon heads, my dad's boat. You won't go down because my... 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Bowen, Menchu, Burger. All coming up later on today. Hope you're enjoying what is just absolutely incredible weather, everybody. I mean, incredible. Even one of these, and I've, I've got to know this for the past two years, there is uh, nothing, nothing more lengthy... Some of you may think three hours is way too lengthy for me. Oh, that guy's got to sit there and talk for three hours. That's lengthy. 
Well, that's long. Uh, go to a track meet in high school. This thing will end at about 1 in the morning. But it is a good late afternoon to do that. Softball, baseball, I'm sure. Someplace locally around here, there are games. I think, uh, didn't the Indians have a uh, matinee a little bit earlier today? Man, what a great day to be out and about. So enjoy it. Enjoy it, and then don't leave us. Make sure that we're right there with you. And crank us up so everybody around you can be incredibly annoyed by my voice. I mean, you think if you crank up Paradise by the dashboard light, you piss people off? Try to turn it, crank it to 10 around people with this voice coming at them. Pretty good Wednesday joke right there for everybody. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, WTHR.com, Locked On Pacers, Forbes Sports, SI Pacers, and all that crap. Tony East is with us on this Wednesday. I mean, absolutely all of it. I I mentioned this, uh, Tony, a little bit earlier, actually even yesterday before Kevin Pritchard uh, got in front of the local media. Uh, This is a huge offseason. In terms of the Colts, because of what they're trying to do at the quarterback position, Clearly not as big, but I'm going to tell you, for the shaping of a team that we want to see long-term have a high level of success, this is not too far behind, is it not, this Pacers offseason? Absolutely critical. You're off, You're right on it, JMB, and it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, this is what Pritchard was talking about yesterday of, they're trying to figure out the, the exact perfect next step for this team. Do they feel like they're, they're still adding more to the foundation before they build the walls and the roof, or are they ready to you know, start putting up some of the walls on this team, right? Because they had just a successful first year of this build or second year, whatever time you want to put, put on this new era of this team. But you know, it, it's really tricky to figure out for them what the exact right timeline is, right? Or what, what piece could be a foundational piece versus, a, I hate to say a wall piece. This all sounds silly, but you get what I'm saying in that, you know, for them to take the next step, they have to figure out how fast they're willing to try to get better. And if you go too fast, you could end up with egg on your face, but it could end up being the perfect move to push this team forward. And the reason it's so tricky is because they might not have this many assets in one summer again, for a while in terms of cap space and draft picks and all sorts of tradable things. So uh, it's a very critical offseason for them to figure out exactly what they want to do and how they're going to do it. How do you think you, you have a guess, a judgment on how do you think they're going to approach it uh, in particular, trying to find, and again, it's easier said than done that wing that can be a threat and also just at times throw a little bit of resistance in in terms of guarding on the wing or out front. Is that what they look for first, you think, in trying to make this team better? 100%. That is, that's been their biggest hole since, my goodness, Thaddeus Young probably was, was that answer for them in 2017 18. And you know, when Pritchard was asked what he felt like their biggest positional need or, or whatever was, he described how they talk about positions, but he called it basically a four or like a hybrid kind of three, four type who can be that level of force. And when you combine it with, you know, what we've heard from Rick Carlisle and the players and Pritchard about the skills they need, someone who can defend and rebound well at that position would just be exactly what this team needs. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch the team and know that, right? They were dead last in defense after the all-star break this season last year they were 29th after the all-star break like they just have been atrocious on defense for a significant portion of the last two seasons they have to get better 
on that end for this team to get better. And so the question becomes, right, do you want to draft that guy or do you want to get an established guy? And how do you want to do that? And I think that's where a lot of their questions about the methods will come into play, right? Pritchard talked about trying to have those two kind of uh, goals run parallel to each other between, you know, adding to your foundation and, and also adding a big piece that could make you way better and, and make your win total much higher than 35 next year. That, that's hard to do, but they have the stuff to do it. It's just making sure they identify the right pieces or the right fit because you're absolutely right. That is the position they need to add. The question is, should that player be good right this second or someone who might be better in a few years? Uh, Tony East on the Pacers with us via the Andy Moore on a Motive Group hotline on this glory, glorious, sunshiny day here in, in central Indiana. Uh, he did mention yesterday as well you know, two big trade deadline I don't want to say options because it didn't happen, but scenarios, I guess, is what he had up there. Do we fair a guess that Ananobi in Toronto might have been maybe a site set there? you have any other idea what maybe what he was talking about? We love talking about it, but we just don't have any answers. Do you? He mentioned that after the trade deadline as well. Look, I don't I don't know who it was. I would I anyone I say is a complete guess, but cool. I will say if you made me if you made me make those guesses, Ananobi would in fact be one of the two guesses just given what everybody was reporting, what the Raptors direction appeared to be, what the Pacers needed and I guess Mikael Bridges would have been my second guess with the Nets, uh, you know, the exact type of guy that after the Pacers injury riddle last few seasons, right? He played 83. That's not a misspeak. He got traded to a team that had played fewer games. So Mikael Bridges played 83 games this season. Those would be my two guesses. But, again, that is just guesses. But, yeah, they tried to, as he said, make an aggressive move for some big talent at the deadline. And the other thing Pritchard said that, that relates to that is he said he's itchy, right, to make that kind of move at some point, if it's the right move, of course. So we'll see what kind of aggression level they have or if the right offer is even there this summer. But if you made me guess, those would be the two players. I, I love guess. Mikhail Bridges, by the way. I do. Uh-huh. He's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, a lot of people are going to learn about what he can do in this playoffs too, because his Nets made it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's been he he to me he offers what the Pacers do need. I mean, he can he can score now without an issue consistently, but he can also get out there, and he's got a passion for playing defense. And when I say that, people kind of laugh because we laugh about defense all the time. But that type of player <laughs> is exactly what is necessary for this Pacers team. Yeah, he he would be an excellent. I mean, Ananobi's the same way. He's a, I, like, this sounds cruel to Ananobi because he's a talented player, but he's like slightly worse at everything than Mikael Bridges. But he's still a fantastic player and is that kind of guy who doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time to be awesome and loves to defend and can actually, you know, give fits to these giant wing players that are just terrorizing, you know, teams in the in the postseason. Right? We saw yesterday the best players in the playing games were like. Jay, obviously, the Hawks had a couple of contributors. Where Jalen Johnson was awesome, Jimmy Butler, LeBron, Anthony Edwards was not very good, but no. you know they got Kyle Anderson having a good game. Right, these bigger forwards are just very important, right? And slowing them down at the same time is important if you can. So Tony East on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, I, I've also brought this up too. Uh, and I, maybe I end up being a bit hypocritical in terms of how I want to see this team built going into next year. But I look at both Buddy Heald and T.J. McConnell as contracted players with this team right now as essential pieces now and moving forward. A lot of people want to disagree. And when I bring up 
defense. I'll add the fact that neither are great at doing that, and especially Buddy Heald. <laughs> but they do bring to this team things that are very difficult to locate in really any era of the NBA, much less this one. Do you believe them to be as essential to this team's success moving forward as I do? If they're going to try to be, you know, go for whatever – 45 to 50 wins next year and be in the playoff field. Yeah, they're, they're important pieces in that way, right? Like some of the Pacers' best basketball was played down the stretch of the season with McConnell on, on the floor. He, you know, They couldn't lose against OKC with how well he was playing, right? And they're it's the last, fourth to last game of the season. And, and those two guys both love to play, which in the NBA these days is not necessarily, you know, the most common thing. And, um, you know, Buddy Hill had a, a great season shooting the ball. His defense is obviously a, a room for improvement for him, but he's going to try to play in all 82 games. He's going to make your offense better, and shooting is so important in the league. He's going to push for 300 threes in a season. You know, that's that's pretty valuable for the way the Pacers like to play, even if his defense isn't necessarily where the Pacers need to be. And McConnell, I think he's a good defender for a six-foot-tall player, but he is a six-foot-tall player, right, that does – kind of limit the impact you can have at that spot. But he is one of the only guys on this Pacers team that can get into the lane and can throw guys open with passes, right? Tyler Burton obviously can, but they're kind of limited on the playmakers, and he was critical in that way. So, yeah, Andrew Nembard got better at it and could, could probably do it next year a little bit. But th- th- those two guys provide skills and experience that kind of no one else on this team has. So if their goals next year are really to take those massive steps forward, they might be important, uh, although I understand why, given their ages, the Pacers might – view it a little differently. So Tony East covers the Pacers. Again, Locked On Pacers, WTHR, Forbes, SI, and a lot more via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Have you figured out at all what you might believe right now might be an off-season try? I know you brought up those those two players as far as trade scenarios during the trade deadline a couple of months ago, being Bridges and Ananobi. Do you have any idea on what may be players of interest that could be potential targets this offseason for the Pacers in a deal? It, the, the hard part of thinking ahead Tony, are you still there? The hard part of thinking ahead dot 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 and then Poofy was gone that's okay though, I've marked the tape I know where to go Back with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We lost you after the uh, hard part, dot, dot, dot here. Continue. It's a fat face uh, hit the mute button there, JMV. It's a tricky numbers game for the Pacers this offseason because they've got three outgoing free agents, five draft picks, and a lot of cap space. So when you look ahead at free agency, it's like they might not have a lot of room to really – make something happen from a roster perspective. So their their acquisitions could be trades more so than, than actually adding a player. And it's really hard, too, because a lot of the best fits, like at the positions we've talked about, are, are guys that are on teams that are really likely going to want to reside them in those Chris Middleton, Jeremy Grant types. So the free agency pool is a little tricky for them to actually dive in and navigate because there's not a lot of obvious good fits to me unless the Pacers love someone like, Dylan Brooks, maybe, who can play some defense and provide them with some oomph on that end of the floor. I think they're more likely to be a big trade team, just given that roster crunch scenario that I just described, where 
They just have a lot of picks. And Kevin Pritchard even said that. He said that they kind of can't add five young guys to this team. They already have a lot of young guys. They don't even have five roster spots. So I think they're more likely to be a trade team than a free agency team. And because that's so – they likely will be both. But in terms of significant additions, and that makes it really hard to identify targets because – when you get to trades, it could literally be anybody in the whole league. So uh, there are a lot of free names that make some level of sense, just given where the Pacers are. But the, the fact that they're in such a unique situation with the assets that they have to get stuff makes it really hard to predict who they could end up with. Kind of like my uh, life in this show, um, I'll give you a bit of gratification <laughs> for like three minutes or so, uh, and then we got to kind of move on after that, right? People start to lose a little bit of interest. That's been the story of my life forever. Uh, so was so was if you remember midsummer and the offer sheet DeAndre Ayton signed and mm-hmm. we had uh, a couple of minutes where oh wow this is a big deal and everybody was excited or if it were me people were going what in the hell are we doing here um, that didn't last very long um, I'm curious if you were to ask them today are they glad that the Suns matched or would they Ooh. still have interest? had the Suns not matched? What do you think they are? That is, that is a great question. You know, he he didn't have the season that that he had last year, right? And the Suns are in a different spot now, obviously. Um, so his numbers being a little different makes sense. Like he scored a lot, but didn't wasn't as efficient and wasn't as effective defensively. Uh, look, if they had eight in all season, obviously they would never have seen this Miles Turner season and – possible that Aiden and Turner have similar values right this second I mean I guess Aiden's younger but makes way more money per season and is is not necessarily the biggest plug-and-play playoff guy I don't it's hard to say uh, I think they're happy with how things turned out and things certainly could not have gone the way they did if they had Aiden on their team but at the same time I think if they did have you know a 24 year old young talent on their roster who can give you 18 and 10 every night on the inside and would be a great fit with Tyrese Halbert. And that also would be something that would make the Pacers happy. So I think it, it ended up working out really well, like, like unbelievably well that Turner was so good and the team ended up gelling in the way they did. But I think they would be in a pretty similar spot with maybe a little bit less salary cap space right now had they ended up with eight does that make sense yeah 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 and that's okay too because that's that's really impossible again with like a lot of this tony we're faring a guess but <laughs> I'll, I'll further fare the guess here to me they had drawn the conclusion that they were going to trade miles miles was going to be gone at some point when they ended up doing that and i am curious how many times in the history for example with this in mind of the nba when you sign somebody doing an offer sheet like that, they go back to their original team and the person that was kind of left flapping in the breeze a little bit uh, comes on, has a terrific season, and then you extend him contractually. I, and listen, I don't know if that's ever happened, but it seems like <laughs> it would be it would be tough to see that ever happen because logically a lot of those players either A, wouldn't live up to it, or B, would be the hell out of here at some point. Yeah, it's, it's very rare that you know, the, the marriage between a player and team seems rocky and immediately flips that that quickly. Rocky might not be the right word. That sounds more like animosity than, than I think there was. But, you know, Turner fit perfectly and had all the, the opportunity that he has described in seasons past as wanting between playing the five and getting more touches. And he had a guy who can get him the ball at his best spots. And 
to his credit, like he had to actually take advantage of that opportunity, right? And he did. He had the best shooting season of his career basically from everywhere on the floor. So, you know, it's rare that something like that happens in the NBA. And even on the flip side, like a lot of times, you know, if, if a player shortchanges the team, it's hard for the team to come back around on that guy too. But, uh, you know, in this case, Turner and the Pacers have to be the perfect kind of marriage, and that is extremely rare, but it worked out very well for, I think, both parties with how this is trending. Chad Buchanan is coming on next week, so make a note of that because I am going to ask him that too. So I'm just <laughs> – listen, I know what logically you're going to say now, but just being honest, I just wonder how minds were changed over the course of how how Miles played up until he went ahead and got that extension and ran with it. So do you think at all – you think at all that he is on the market this offseason? Uh, well, like – Here's what I'll say. Like, if they get the number one pick in the lottery, I mean, <laughs> if Wembenyama's mm. a, a, a future pacer, I mean, you have to start thinking that way. What's going to be my uh, argument I, then if if it's like Wembenyama <laughs> over Miles? Am I going to have a leg to stand on in this? Uh, I'll let you decide on that, but I uh, I think that this Wembenyama kid's going to be pretty dang good. Um, you know, I wouldn't say shopping necessarily. I mean, there's – he fits well with what they do. He's young, he's talented. And like a big stat about their season to me is when Halliburton and Turner played, they were 26 and 22. Like that's yeah. a playoff team right now. Like not even adding other talent that fits with those two guys. Like with the team they had this year, they were a playoff level team when just those two guys played. And so, yeah, he fits very well and they're very good when he plays and he fits well with their star. Like that doesn't seem like somebody at age 26 that you'd be rushing out the door or anything like that. Now his contract is, exceedingly appealing to other teams at the at the level he makes and he's an extremely good player like i suppose it would make sense that another team might be interested in offering a ton for him and if you're the pacers maybe you think about it but just given what it sounds like they would like to do next year and how well he played and how well he fits with with the team they have i wouldn't say they'd be shopping him but i don't think anyone on the team stands maybe Halliburton and Matherin are completely off the table right now. All right, he's on the fever beat as well. The next hoops, we'll have Grace Berger on coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Locked on Pacers, WTHR.com, Forbes Sports, SI Pacers. Tony East helping us sort a lot of things out here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Appreciate you, brother. We'll do it again soon. Of course, thanks for having me. And sorry for muting myself like an idiot. That's all right, man. Happens all. Let's look who hosts this show. <laughs> Come on, man. Take it easy, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. It's, uh, Tony East on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Grace Berger in the 5 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. Gardner Menchu, Colts quarterback at 430. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James here. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Oh my goodness, look who is here. Sherry's in the house. How you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> little Green County action from back in the days in the house. I love it. Damon Dobbs, I think he's talking about the lounge here. Uh, YouTube Live? The ride with JMV? The silence gets unbearable. Uh, is there still silence during the breaks here? Yeah, still silence during oh, the breaks. Gotta- 
to do something about that. Is there something we can do? We've got brilliant minds around here. Something we can do? That might be a question for engineering. Uh, engineering. Or Skyler. We have brilliant minds around here. I can't have – I'm going to make you bored enough most of the time, right? That's at least, at least what you tell me, so I can't have that. Let's get something pumped in there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pump it in. This is great right here. I should have teased this and I didn't. I'll do this before I hit the top of the hour break. This is a very nice direct message at JMV 1070 on Twitter from Leanne. Okay, JMV, I love your show, but I've had enough of you telling me I suck as a lifelong Cardinals fan. The worst fans in baseball are Yankee fans. Cubs, Reds, and Cardinals all faithful. Someday I hope to meet you in person someday and we can chat. I do not mean to offend you at all, Leanne, but I absolutely hate the Cardinals. And even with the old neck tat not there anymore, I hate the Cardinals. So I don't mean to offend. Thank you, Leanne, for that message. Grace Berger, Gardner Minshew, Kevin Bowen, still to come. Hour two straight ahead, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. David Perner. Soul Asylum, going to open up for Brian Adams, May 26th, Carb Day 2023. This is one of the songs Soul Asylum will play right here. Somebody to Shove is the song. David Perner, Soul Asylum, Brian Adams, Carb Day 2023. Get your tickets today, IMS.com. That's going to be the first one that I will ever leave my show to go see because I've never seen Brian Adams. I think I've seen Soul Asylum at a, hell, I don't know, an X-Fest or something. Never seen Brian Adams. Going to make sure I do that. May 26th, Carb Day, IMS.com. Your tickets right now. Gardner Menchu of the Colts, bottom of the hour. Grace Berger in the five on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. From the morning show, Kevin Inquiry. It is weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. It is Kevin Bowen with us. So I know you guys like to joke around inside your lounge, if you will, inside your YouTube chat. And uh, I just wrote in there, I always talk about how different the conversations I have in there are than the ones I have on the air. Um, I just wrote, pulled pork. I find that term funny. Don't you? Pulled pork. Do you laugh when you hear that? <laughs> I, can, I can see why uh, you, would, you would laugh at that. Yeah, the, uh, boy, the YouTube conversations. Yeah, you talk about anything goes. Boy, anything goes in there. That's crazy. I like to get them warmed up too. I'll drop in there during the uh, the midday show and try to get them warmed up a little bit, then get them fired up and ready to go. Though, <laughs> well, but, and they might be enjoying you know a happy hour or two a little bit earlier uh, when you you know show up on air. So you probably get some very entertaining conversations. I mean, they're they're entertaining as hell at seven a.m. I can only imagine what no they're like around you know four o'clock. All right, Kevin, you've long since been um, a detractor. You've been anti Miles Turner around here forever correct uh i was more anti both bigs 
uh, and sticking with that than necessarily anti-Miles Turner. Okay, well, we'll keep it at anti-Miles Turner. It's Kevin Bowen with us right now, anti-Miles <laughs> Turner. Um, I, I asked Tony East this a moment ago, and not that it matters at all, but this is something I am going to ask Chad Buchanan because I am interested in it. Do you think at all, are they glad that Phoenix matched DeAndre Ayton at this point with that offer sheet last summer, or do they still wish that Phoenix hadn't and that would have gone through? What do you think? Well, that's a good one. I would say they are glad that Phoenix matched, which, again, I don't know if that's a comment I would have said six or seven months ago. I mean, obviously what what Turner did this season I thought was darn impressive. Um, You know, he spoke a lot about being a solo five and and the ability of – you know, him thinking he can tap into more if he was given that opportunity, and he did that. And obviously the presence of Tyrese Halliburton helps a whole lot. But again, Turner, I thought did a little bit more just as a back-to-the-basket guy that he had shown early in his career. And then the fact that the Pacers handed him a contract that doesn't hamstring you you know, to the level that Aiton would. I, obviously Aiton is a different player, and, and you can make the argument certainly a better player. Um, but you know, right now for a team that's in dire need of defense, his, Turner's rim protection, I mean, hell, even with Turner, you're still a bad defensive team. Without him, you're a god-awful defensive team. So, yeah, I think for all those reasons, the fact that, you know, he played pretty well, I thought, maybe even better after he signed the contract, I think that's always a good thing you want to see. You know he's going to be hungry each of the next two years to try and get another contract, uh, which will probably be kind of a, his last major payday in his NBA career. Uh, yeah, for all those reasons, I was certainly skeptical about it, and and Turner and, and the Pacers, you know, definitely proved me wrong there. It's a huge Miles Turner detractor, Kevin Bowen Morning Show, Kevin and Query. <laughs> I was probably I, I was probably a little bit more Domas than than Miles. No, listen, um, and here's what's funny about it: I because obviously the Gonzaga connection loved Domas Sabonis, absolutely yeah. loved it. I took on. I think I took on the mile support because I just got sick and tired of numbnuts around here just endlessly being all over him. I mean, really, zero support whatsoever. It was me, and it was a dude, a friend of mine named Greg. That was us on a bit of an island right there. So I I feel kind of good in telling everybody to get bent after this past season. And I'm sure that Miles yeah. feels the same way. Yeah, and it sounds like I was one of those Numb nuts, so I will. I will certainly. If we all want to get together somewhere one day, we can all have a beer and, and, and toast to that. Um, you know, again, we had Kevin Pritchard on earlier today, and I said it to Kevin at the start. You know, there was certainly a, a point in time, probably only like eighteen months ago, where the Pacers I thought were in a pretty dark place, like not great direction, not great modern direction. And by trading Sabonis, you, you you got to an answer of, like, the style that you need to play with. And, again, considering the defensive issues, you could certainly make the case that this yeah. team needed Turner more than they needed Domas. And Domas is a great player. I mean, hell, look what he's done out in Sacramento. Um, and, and that's why I think when you fast forward this, John, to, you know, what this offseason looks like, I think when you get to any sort of player acquisition, particularly that lottery pick or if they make a big splash, I think the first thing you have to ask yourself is, is this guy a defensive-minded player, um, especially in that six eight six nine kind of wing four-man role? Because I know it's not something you say about today's NBA. I think the Pacers have enough offense. 
I, I think you've got to get somebody in there that changes your mindset defensively on the perimeter because, you know, Miles just at the rim, you're just praying and hoping that he saves the day time in and time out. It's, it's uh, Numbnuts and Query in the morning from 7 until 10 a.m. <laughs> and uh, Numbnuts with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, you're right about that. And the, here's where I will become a hypocrite. Because I also recognize, because it's great when you score 135, but when you gag up 141 and get beat by six, that's not cool whatsoever. And that's that's the charted path that's in front of them. However, I look at a couple of guys under contract, and I'm thinking neither one play defense really, at, I don't want to say an unacceptable level, but not a great level, and there's really not much room for improvement at all probably just regression at some point defensively but i still view both buddy healed and tj mcconnell as essential pieces to this team's short-term growth and success moving into the longer term here do you yeah yeah and again it's probably not something i would have said with as much confidence even though i sounded a little hesitant um right there, you know, back before the start of the season, particularly McConnell after you drafted Nemhard, You know, I kind of thought, all right, what's really the need for him? But there's so many nights during the course of a season, I would say at least, you know, a handful of nights where you're just like, man, McConnell is a difference. <laughs> and it's just kind of wild to think that his style is not like just plaster on a scattering report for whichever second unit point guard is going up against him. You know, as far as Buddy is concerned, I, I think the, the only worry I would have there, I, I think his shooting is such a skill set that it's not going to fall off a cliff. He's extremely durable. He obviously stretches the floor. And he's really close to Tyrus Halliburton. So for all those reasons, you, you, you really like him. Um, if your starting lineup next year in the backcourt is going to be Halliburton, Heald, and Matherin, those are three guys that on the defensive end of the floor, for different reasons, very susceptible. Uh, to, to really bad defenders. Matherin's way too good of an athlete to be as poor on the defensive end as he's shown at times this past season. Halliburton, I think, is just more of a strength thing. And Buddy, I mean, you know, find a good three-point shooter that also can defend. You know, you, you, you aren't going to find that. So I guess he gets the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but if that's going to be the case, again, that kind of adds to the point of what I was trying to make earlier about if you're going to go out and make a three or a four move, that guy's got to come with a defensive mindset. Um you know, what Nemhard's future looks like, I, I, I'm kind of curious about. Like, it, should he run the second unit? It, it, because, again, if that's the case, then what do you do with McConnell? Um, I think Nemhard showed this year he could be kind of an interchangeable piece. And so that's why I think him and, you know, TJ McConnell could coexist. And if you're starting to write things down on a paper, like what your second unit looks like, McConnell, Nemhard, Aaron Neesmith, Jordan Wara, that's a nice, like, four-man grouping with that second unit. Uh, you know, you got to find out what Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, is, is there anything there, is there not? I mean, you, that is a question that I didn't feel great about exiting the, the season. Um, so that is a question. But, yeah, I mean, considering their age, I know it doesn't match up on the timeline, but I, I could, you know, I don't see any, like, rush to move those guys by any means. I think you'd have to be blown away. And obviously the offers would look a whole lot different. But I think you have to be, uh, you know, pr- pretty blown away to want to get rid of Buddy Hield and or T.J. McConnell. Where's Chris Duarte fit into this equation moving forward? Yeah, I mean, does he? Um, I, I mean, 
I think the the jury is out on this without question. I'm just wondering if you believe he has a seat in this room. Yeah, I don't see it. I and mean, again, I just kind of mapped out to you what, what I would envision the second unit. I, I know that you know Wara is probably the the shooter in that unit. I know based off his size, he's not necessarily like a two guard, which is where you would slot Duarte in. You know, it, it's certainly been a disappointment. I know health has played into it, but, you know, anytime you draft a guy of the age of Chris Duarte when he left Oregon, you're thinking, all right, you need to help us right away and be very consistent early on. He had a, you know, really nice stretch certainly early in that rookie season, but just hasn't been able to be consistent with that. And, you know, when you look at that draft of Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, I mean, all of a sudden for – the different stretches of, of hope and promise each of them showed. Now you're sitting there, and, and I don't know if I would, again, put them into the top eight or top nine guys when you're even talking about the team moving forward. Um, so that is a bit disappointing. Uh, again, when you factor in as rookies, I thought both of them in, in their different ways had some moments. So, yeah, I don't I don't feel good about Duarte as or I, I certainly don't feel confident about Duarte as a must have guy moving forward. It's uh, Kevin Bowen, Morning Show, Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. weekday mornings here on the fans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the whole Lamar Jackson stuff, I, I'm assuming you guys probably did as well. I put that to bed long ago. Um, do you think that that how much of that, I guess I should ask you, has to do with where Jim believes and wants his position among the vocal owners, the the mouthpieces of the owners in the NFL moving forward, because they don't want guaranteed contracts filtering in here, and that's what Lamar Jackson right now is all about. Do you think that if he didn't want that that there would certainly be interest in Lamar Jackson where there is zero right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think you'd be naive to act like that's not a factor. You know, it's something that I've said with Jake. I've thought ever since his Daniel Snyder very public stance, Jim feels like he's carrying, you know, he's about ready to light the Olympic flame, and and he's carrying, carrying that torch for owners right now, and and holding it, you know, extremely high and, and just you know, feels like he is the steward in NFL history, especially from an ownership side, means so much to him. So I do think that's a factor. I also think at the end of the day, you know, if the dude had no questions on the field, <laughs> I would like to think you could overlook that. Now, granted, Baltimore probably would just have re-signed him or given him whatever the contract that they sure. feel like he deserves, but – I just think there's real questions with Lamar Jackson from his health and his playing style that even Chris Ballard and or Shane Steichen would have to have and could not ignore. And but we saw we see how extremely frugal Chris Ballard is now. Can you imagine what he's going to be like if and when he ever is working with a quarterback, making the amount of money that Lamar Jackson supposedly wants or some of these top quarterbacks want? We know what draft picks mean to Chris Ballard. Now, can you imagine giving up two first-round picks in, you know, next year's draft? You know, could be pretty generational as well. So, I, I don't think it's just like the GM and the head coach would sign off on it if the owner would sign off. I, I, I don't think we're there, but I also think to your point, you know, Jim Irsay's 
I mean, I, I know it sounds cliche, but I mean, it is in his blood. I mean, he is like, he is such an advocate for what the Maras and the Hunts and the Hallises and insert your, the Roonies, you know, insert your famous NFL owner name here for what those people meant to him. And he feels like it's his job to carry that on. And if that means sitting out this situation, and he's going to be a big advocate for it. But, again, I think there's some other stuff on the field that gives you pause as well. Do you think that – let's just get hypothetical here. Do you think that going back to last year, and let's just say well, – we'll try to time this all pretty closely together. You know, after Jacksonville and that disappointment and shaking your fist during the game and wanting to get rid of Carson Wentz right then and there and then ultimately putting down that uh, – that mandates you got to get yourself a new quarterback and go out and do it right now before he got out front and spoke regarding Daniel Snyder uh, back when he really needed a quarterback of that level to turn things around and to you know make up a lot of these promises that had uh, gone without results do you think a year ago if the same situation with Lamar Jackson was was happening that he would have gone for it with this group then Boy, that's another good one. You're on your game today. I hope the Reds play as well tonight as yeah. uh, as you are. Well, you know the whole bullpen, the whole bullpen thing. It, it, they can play as well as they can, and then you hand the ball off to the bullpen. I had Lance McAllister on yesterday just to let him go off uh, about that. Great. So, yeah, he, I, I watched it. I know it's like I, watching the Reds. It's like the person they choose at the Atlanta games to run against the freeze. Like you're able to get out to the lead and then your bullpen, once the freeze, you know, gets out to run in the outfield, that's when the bullpen gets in the game. Um, Well, I, I would say this on that hypothetical. I think if you had one less year of Lamar's injury history, you might be more willing to do it. I I think the fact that you have these back-to-back years with him getting hurt in December, uh, both in the lower body. And if you look at, I mean, Baltimore has played, I want to say they've played 12 games in December and January each of the last two years, if you combine the last two years, 12 games in December and January, and Lamar's missed 10 straight. Again, if that number was just one chunk, if it was a five-game stretch like he had, you know, back falling the, or I guess into the 2021 season, then maybe you could overlook that or say, ah, oh, that's, you know, that's a fluke and, Honestly, I think part of it would be you would have some fresh blood. It would be fresh in your mind of what he did to you on Monday Night Football as well, which would probably add to it. Uh, But the fact that you have two years of it, which obviously this year he missed a whole lot of December, uh, that I think is just too much to overcome. So, yeah, if it was this time last year, yeah. yeah, I could see him doing it. Can you imagine, and I, I talk about this a couple of times, and again, this is just me guessing, but we often wonder because it, I forget who said it was either, it was either Frank or Chris that said it took them about 90 minutes. It may have been Frank, 90 minutes of tape to watch Matt Ryan to be sold that he hadn't lost much and he was going to be good to go. And then you think about it, it took us like, what, a half a football to to understand that he didn't and it wasn't and it wasn't going to go that way I, I think that they rushed to that judgment because of what the mandate was from Jim Irsay about you got to do something now anything now but this is not going to be the guy and I think that's how you rush to what was clearly such an inaccurate judgment 
Yeah, I, I think they fell in love with him between the ears, too, and just thought that his intellect and his professionalism and his leadership would – they could just out-chess match people. And I think they, they really thought that would be the case. Honestly, I don't think they thought their whole line would cripple either. And, and yeah, I mean, Ryan's arm looked, looked, looked shot. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know this full well, John, but pretty much how the offseason unfolded was – you know, once Ursay gave that mandate on Wentz, you know, Ballard said to Frank Reich, all right, you look at all the free agent quarterbacks and you yep. tell me who you can win with. So he looked at Mariota, he looked at Winston, he looked at Trubisky and Dalton and, you know, all those, frankly, nobodies and said, and, and went back to Chris and said, yeah, we can't win with any of these guys. And that's when Chris said, okay, let's let the Russell Wilson domino play out. Let's let the Aaron Rodgers domino play out. Let's let the Deshaun Watson one play out. Obviously, Wilson didn't lead to anything. Drew Locke just, you know, went to Seattle. Uh, Rodgers never got moved. And then the Deshaun Watson one, of course, led to Matt Ryan. So it was almost like they were just kind of backed into a corner of, hey, uh, we can't do anything really in the draft because our first-round pick is gone. Um, let's look at these free agents and you, you know, pray that you fall in love with one of them. And when none of them – you know, it got them there. They said, all right, let's wait for Watson. And at that point, it was Matt Ryan or who? I mean, I guess Winston, you know, maybe would have been, been the guy there. But I think they um, – I think we, going from Wentz, there were so many issues with how they felt like Wentz handled things professionally. They knew they weren't going to have to worry about that with Matt Ryan. They just fell in love with it and didn't really factor in this dude might be walking up the 18th hole. Yeah, I, I just it was a to me it was just a complete rush to judgment. All right, this is somebody name. Okay, we can do it here, and you know, we, yeah, I think you're right. You know, talked into it by somebody that's really good. Matt Ryan is is good at that. I mean, he came on this show and I asked him, you know, about the next two years, and he said, I think I have at least four more years. And as we saw him, it didn't look like he had four more quarters. So, just. How wrong it's that evaluation was, I think that that was the rush to judgment because of how embarrassed Jim was in that Jacksonville game and how much he decided at that moment during that game that he no longer was going to have Wentz as a quarterback. And I think that's, that's I think, basically how we end up here right now, is it not? Long form? Yeah, I, I keep on going back to, like, last September, John, and thinking to myself, how many times sat in that press box and looked down and I thought to myself, is he hurt? Like that, that can't be Matt Ryan's full arm. Like that, that, there's no, that thing is a 76 mile per hour fastball. And it, it was just such, I mean, to feel a phrase from Jim Mercer's Twitter account, it was shock and awe when you were watching Matt Ryan play quarterback. And you know, today's NFL, you're not going to threaten an opposing team at all vertically. And by vertically, I mean like eight yards down the field, 10 yards down the field, unless it was a, you know, Alex Pierce jump ball, you weren't doing anything. Uh, your offense is going to look bad, and it obviously was more than bad last year. All right, you guys got Costas on tomorrow. We do, yeah. Uh, Who did that? Who do you give credit for, Bob Costas? So uh, you know that I teach down at IU. I have Bob Costas's niece in my class. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> I didn't know that you taught at IU. You teach at IU. Yeah, I, th- I thought, yeah, you've had this conversation. Did I not know that? If- Maybe I didn't know that. 
Yeah, you, you told me if you ever wanted great, you know, Eastern Green Green County radio talk. That Ooh, you want to bring? You, know yeah, you can bring me down there. I'll teach him something. <laughs> do you have a good? Do you have a good class? I'll say you guys are. Yeah. I'll say you guys are dumb as hell to ever want to do this. What are you doing? <laughs> we do appreciate honesty. Uh, we, we yeah, I mean, you better quit this right now, man. This got to be a hey, uh, pull the rip cord and go a different direction on this stat. <laughs> yeah, can I change my major this late uh, into my into my four years here? Uh, but yeah, Costas spoke to our class a couple weeks ago. He was outstanding, um, and you know, you know, he's just unsure. I mean, the dude's like crazy famous. Yeah. Like, how, how's he going to be? And you know, I was. I told him thank you, and and he seemed pretty genuine. So um, yeah, I got his email, and uh, he's going to come on with us at nine. And you know, obviously, you think about him on a national scale, it speaks for itself. No, but, you know, locally, true. I mean, you know what his relationship with Bob Knight and, and the stories he did down there, I think, is a definite angle. Obviously, he had a huge presence during those Pacers Bulls series. Yep. And, are you going to you know, Are you going to ask him about his pink eye during the Olympics? Do it. Yeah, I, I do it. I, I don't. I don't know if that'll be on my list. Do it. You know, I, hey, I, hey, I, give I, it to I, give I it to Query. Tell Jake. Tell Jake. Say, hey, man, can you ask this? I think this is important. And have Jake ask about the pink eye he had during the Olympics. Yeah, I'll give you kind of drum up a nice. Yeah, about those Russian Olympics when you got the pink eye there. <laughs> Anything food related on that front there? Nice. <laughs> Did Jimmy Roberts cut one on your pillow? What happened there, buddy? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about it is, boy, that was like a Willis Reed type effort because I felt like yeah. the eye was just getting worse and worse, and he still came out there. Tell to, him, uh, tell him this. I got to run here, but tell him this. You should have gone with the eye patch. The glasses didn't quite cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Jack Black Costas leading us into night seven here from Moscow. Oh, make sure Jake <laughs> asked that question tomorrow. What time for Costas tomorrow? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock tomorrow for Bob Costa. You got it, Kev. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, Sean. So Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Colts quarterback Gardner Minshew. Straight ahead next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Grace Berger, the Indiana Fever. Former Hoosier is going to join us at the 5 o'clock hour. Tony East, Kevin Bowen, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, signed back in the month of March, quarterback, for now, the Indianapolis Colts, you know him very well. Gardner Menchu joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Gardner, thanks for the time. How are you? Hey, John. How you doing? Gardner, how you doing, man? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. Getting yourself acclimated to Indianapolis right. quite all right? Yeah. No, getting up here, you know, shaking shaking all the babies, kissing all the hands, <laughs> everything you got to do. Are people recognizing you? Have you been out very much at all, or is it just between wherever uh, you're yeah, staying and a the complex? Times. Um, but it's typically always the deal. It's like, hey, does anybody ever tell you you look like Gardner Minshew? And I say yes all the time. And then they just get a little confused, you know? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you let, do you finally say, you know, that's who I am, or do you let them continue to guess about it? 
Well, it depends usually how awkward the silence gets. Um, <laughs> but, you know, depends on the day, I guess. Here's uh, Gardner Menchu of the Colts, the quarterback of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So how do you feel about this new location? Obviously with somebody you know very well and Shane Steichen as the head coach, but what was your feeling when you were brought in here this offseason? Yeah, just super excited, man. Really, really grateful for the opportunity from Coach Steichen and, and uh, Chris Ballard here. I'm excited to get in here. Been meeting all the guys. Everybody's been awesome. Just really, really enjoying just getting to work with them, getting to know everybody. Um, really excited for for what we got going. What kind of relationship do you have? I'm assuming with Shane, it's it's really good. But how have has that developed um, over? I guess the short term past that relationship you now have with your head coach, formerly your OC. Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, this is going on year three with Shane. I mean, in NFL years that's like a million you know so really really feel like we're gelling i understand you know how he sees the game he kind of understands what i am as a player and things i can do and i think we should have great open and honest communication and um like i said i'm just extremely grateful to be here and to be working with him he's gardner Minshew with us i think gardner they they had talked about when the signing was made that you were going to come in here i think shane said that actually and compete i i honestly i can't think of you doing anything else but that it seems like wherever you go you probably want a level of competition and fun as a part of it right competition's pretty damn fun to you i would guess yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, pretty much everybody that plays this game, you know, that, that's one of the reasons you want to do it. You want to be challenged. You want to challenge yourself to really see how good you can be. And I, I'm excited to be in here, um, you know, with the new challenge that we're about to face and try to overcome it together and get where we want to go. Did you think that when, you know, first of all, when you look at what your odyssey has been, you know, through college, whether it's, you know, obviously Mississippi, East Carolina, Washington State, you know, into the NFL, did you ever think that it was going to be as lengthy and as enjoyable an odyssey for you as this has been, Gardner, to this point? Um, I don't know. You know, I always thought there's a chance, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's why I transferred everywhere and tried to find a spot and was just always, you know, looking for opportunity. Um, you know, I always thought if I if I just gave myself a chance, if I ever got a chance, that I'd be able to take advantage. I've been, you know, just super, super fortunate to be given opportunities and uh, to be trusted by these coaches and, um, you know, look forward to just continue to working and earning more chances. How many times have people recognized you in that building as the dude in Jacksonville that normally had done in this Colts team? <laughs> I mean, you have played <laughs> really well against this team in the past. That's constantly brought up, at least on my show. Have you heard about that since you've been signed here? Uh, no, but it's, it's really cool to be, you know, seeing guys that – you know, played against for, for, for a while and have a ton of respect for his players, you know, getting to know him as people and, um, you know, really just starting to gel. It's, it, it's really cool, you know, having, having competed against so many of these guys. Seems like you have fun, and Gardner Menchu joins us wherever you go. Is there a time when you don't? Are you always just kind of like this? Because I think this is refreshing. Uh, like, this is how I would want to be like you, just having fun, competing, <laughs> and doing that through life, which can be a pain in the ass at times. But for you, it never seems like it is. Yeah, you know, you always got your ups and downs. But I tell you, the one thing, you know, really tried to adopt in my football career is every day just show up. Try to get better and have fun. And if, if you do those two things, you know, I, I truly believe you're going to end up where, you, where you're supposed to be, you know. So try to enjoy every day. Enjoy the people you're around. I mean, there's there's so many 
um, things I feel like we often take for granted. You know, so many times we forget how cool being an NFL player is um, and how it's, you know, what you've dreamed about since you're a little kid and, you know, really having it here and trying to enjoy it. Um, has been a you know big part of my my time here. And Gardner Minshew is with us. I, I have a philosophy which it's tough to end up attaining. It's it's I try to live hassle free or as hassle free as possible, um, and I do that by trying to maintain a a level of enjoyment and fun. And you mentioned that is so much of the battle right there is every day you enjoy clearly what you do. I enjoy what I do, and you enjoy being around people. And that is so much of the battle when you're living day to day as an NFL quarterback or, you know, some clown in the afternoon on the radio like me. Yeah, no, that's part of it. Because like you said, there's always going to be hard times, you know, but that doesn't mean, you know, that everything sucks and and you can't dig yourself out of it and you can't enjoy it and you can't still enjoy the people around you, you know. It's uh, Gardner Minshew, Colts quarterback. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I want to get to this because obviously a tough moment in your life was the loss of your former coach, Mike Leach. What what did he mean to you overall? Uh, What did he set as a standard for you that I'm sure you maintain to a a high degree today? Um, man, that's 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 a tough question. One of the I'd say one of the biggest things just taken away from Coach Leach and. Being with him and the person that he was, you know, um, is he was always himself every day. Showed up full throttle, Mike Leach, that's what you're getting. You know, no apologies. But I think everybody around him could respect how genuine, authentic he was. You know, even if you disagreed sometimes with the things he said or some of the things he did, you know that was just him, you know. And I think uh, feeling okay about being yourself in any situation and circumstance uh, it's a great thing that I, you know, I try to carry with me still today. Yeah, it it, it is amazing how it, it seems like the philosophy that you talked about a little bit earlier is the philosophy that Mike Leach portrayed, and that's some of the traits that we're talking about that you took away and, and you live by right now. And that makes, I'm assuming, your relationship when you look back on it even extra special because you hold so many of those traits. Yeah, no, that's what um, you know. Me and Coach Leach, I feel like we really, really hit it off. Um, Pretty early on, you know, I think we we saw things in a lot of you know a lot of the same ways, and um, yeah, I, there, there, there's countless lessons that you know I'll always try to you know remember and hold on to entertain that uh, Coach Leach taught me, and you know that's one of the reasons you know me among many many people are so grateful you know, just for the guy that he was. And no doubt. Gardner Menchu of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I actually saw this a little bit earlier and retweeted it, but is there any chance we might end up getting an Indianapolis sequel of La Flama Blanca from 2021? I'm, I'm kind of looking for a sequel right here. You think you got La one in you? Blanca, huh? Yeah. I'm telling you what, I was digging it. T- I mean, I, I dig a dude that just goes around in his shirtless and going through stuff like that because I'd like to go through life shirtless myself. Now, nobody around me would dig that, but I would like that. I do. I think no, you man, need a sequel to it. Well, we've been getting some good sunny weather out here, so I tell you, there's <laughs> definitely a chance. You know, we're going to be getting some uh, hot white flames flying around here. You, know? <laughs> you, uh, you still into that? I mean, the video aspect of it, you know, enjoying the time, musically speaking. What do you do besides what maybe we don't know or what we haven't seen? What do you like to do in your leisure time of enjoyment? Because it probably is very fascinating to folks. <laughs> yeah, real fascinating, I'm sure. I, I play a little guitar. I like to read. I like to cook. Love being outside, hiking, hunting, fishing. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm typically not one to just sit still too often. All but, right, uh, guitar-wise, who, who's your all-time favorite guitarist? Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, he's the best. And then, because I'm a blues guy, I guess, you know, especially coming from Mississippi. Right. Um, you know, then you get into all the BB King, you know, John Lee Hooker, all that kind of stuff is fine. But I'd say probably Jimmy. Hendrix. Are you a big John Mayer guy? Uh, I, I respect John Mayer. I like his uh, Dead and Co. Um, right. You know, I'm, a, I'm a big Grateful Dead guy, so the Dead and Co. stuff's pretty pretty great. I might try to get out and see them this summer. Well, you, you need to, and you need to check in with us because we we can make that happen for you. Here's the other thing that's funny. So I uh, a friend of mine who's our uh, he is uh, our betting analyst. Uh, he also is a part of Heaven Hill Distillery. His name is Brent Holverson, and you mentioned you're a big Dead head big dead fan he is maybe the biggest dead fan around here i mean to the Mm. point where he's got a campground up uh up 69 i-69 toward anderson called mystic waters and he's big time deadhead we got to get you guys together because i think you guys would gel on that particular level not only with that but with the heaven hill distillery stuff yeah, it sounds like Camp Misty Waters on I-69. That's where some stuff goes down. Sounds like a good time for sure. <laughs> I will tell you this. It, it does go down there. <laughs> it goes down there. It goes down there all the time. Now, how often are you playing the guitar when you have the time? Oh, every day. Every day. Doesn't mean I'm any good, but I try to touch it every day. All right. Uncle Rico, that reference, you still hear about that a lot? Oh, not quite as much, but, you know, every once in a while, it's, uh, it's always always good. Did you ever um, hear from Uncle Rico when that thing was at its peak? Yeah, man, we actually did, a uh, did like, a little ESPN segment, and he came down with the van and everything to Jacksonville. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I met him, and I was like, man, you know, I'm about to take a road trip after the season. He's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, you come out to L.A., hit me up. I got some crazy friends. Now his um his his name is John Grise, I believe, right? That's yep. the actor's name. Did you make friends with him? Do you still know him? Uh, we haven't been in touch, you know. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure there's no love lost there. Definitely isn't on my end. So, well, you got to uh, man, you got to get out there. That sounds like that'd be up your alley going out there and hanging out with friends in Southern California. It sounds like it, right? <laughs> so, Gardner Minshew of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, off the field, the most fun that you have had, most fun that you have had because of what you've accomplished on the field, but off the field. And I hope I'm assuming there's a really good story behind it someplace. What would it be? Just most fun, like yeah, what you in mean? general. It doesn't have to be sports related. Just kind of a holy crap, this is great kind of deal here. Um, I don't know. I'm a big road trip guy, so that was like after I guess my second or third year. It took like a three or four week road trip across the country in an RV. That was pretty great. Did some skiing, did some hiking. Uh, got all out and about. That that's typically when I'm in my element, I guess. Now, do um, do the the teams dig it because you have all these like skiing and hiking and things like that that you like to do as well, or do you curb that whenever uh, uh, no, you're I, a part I, of I this? Definitely, I, I definitely curb that, um, you know. But the way our contracts, you know, if we get hurt doing anything outside of football, you know, you're not covered. So if you get in a car wreck, if you trip walking down the street, you know. So it's really, you know, just being smart when you're uh, 
you know, kind of being dumb. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> Gardner Minshew's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. What do you think about this team that's around you, that's all new to you right now? Yeah, no, I think um, the awesome thing about the NFL, you know, every year is a, a blank slate, you know, and just getting in here and meeting the guys and, you know, you see a lot of guys that have played good ball, a lot of guys that are good people that want to win and want to do the right things. Uh, and I think when you have a, guy, a group of guys like that, you know, you can achieve a lot of things. So, I mean, seems like a hungry group, you know, really excited just to get out there and compete with them. Let me tell you this, even hungrier than the group is the fans around here. Uh, before I let you go, I was curious about this, Gardner. Shane Steichen is pretty much all ball all the time. Uh, when you talk to him, does do you know of anything that he enjoys outside of – coaching football because if there is something I don't know what the hell it is because it's all about ball all the time with him when I talk to him but is there anything else that you might know that we don't I don't know man I'll, I'll try to get some soup for you but uh <laughs> just... dude, he, he, he does love ball man it's crazy um but that's what you wanted you, you know from your coach you got it yeah you know is in it as much as you are you know and then some and I, I think when you get a bunch of guys like that together you know, you can really do some special things. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That's and and really, there's no pulling of the punches there. That's exactly how he is. It's it seems like it's football and football twenty four seven three six five, and that's who he is. And you're right. I'm assuming as a player, you know, your teammates. That's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, and then that, that that's it. You know, you want to look around. You know, and after all the work you put in, you want everybody else to be there with you. You know, what I'm saying you want everybody else knowing that they've checked their boxes and done everything they can to be ready. Um, so when you all match up like that, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun. All right, so we need uh, some deadhead conversations at Mystic Waters at some point here. Up I-69, by the way, too, right. which is pretty right. funny. And we got to get you out fishing somewhere, too. I don't know if you have been so far, but it really close to where you are right now at the complex, Eagle Creek Reservoir is not far away, so you can probably get over there and do it, too. Oh, yeah, right down the road. Yeah. Man, yeah. Um, listen, it's very awesome to have you here. Certainly thrilled with the fan base to have you here. And I was waiting on the conversation, and uh, I appreciate you being on here and uh, being as uh, enjoyable conversationally as you are. The best of luck moving forward, and probably the next time we talk is during training camp, man. The best of luck. Keep going at it. And uh, please, if you get the opportunity, man, check in with us. We'd love to have you back on again. Heck yeah, man. I, I really appreciate you having me and can't got, wait for this season. You got you. Thank you, Gardner. All right, see you. It's uh, Gardner Menchu right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pod That dude is a fun guy right there. I like it. A little bit of change of pace. I'm trying to think about Gardner Menchu and Shane Steichen. That is like a, a 180. All ball and then, you know, obviously concentrating on the task at hand. But having a lot of fun, too. All right, if you missed any of that, Gardner Menchu of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We'll take a quick break. We shall come back. More to come at 239-1070 on this Wednesday. Glorious sunshine outside. What a week this has been. Back to you on the other side next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 
93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I mentioned to him Brent Halverson in Mystic Waters. I think that is going to have to be, you know, we do the Backyard Bourbon broadcast. We, we're going to have to do that as like a show party at Mystic Rivers. Mystic Waters, sorry. Mystic, Mystic River is like a movie. Mystic Waters. Up off of I-69, Pendleton. We've talked about that before. I think we're going to have to do some sort of party up there. And clearly, I need to introduce Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, to Gardner Minshew of the Colts. It sounds like those dudes will get along. If you missed any of it, the podcast will be up shortly, 107.5thefan.com. Scott Stone says, quote, being smart when you're being dumb. Amen, brother. That's <laughs> so true. So true. Sean Collinsworth checks in. JMV, is there a list of your future remotes? The Smiley Radio Show bros are wanting to come out and support and see our favorite indie DJ. In fact, there is. And I believe next week on a Friday, we've got our next Tavern Tour stop coming at you. And that tweet is going to anger one Dave Smiley of the Smiley Morning Show. I don't know where this is leading. It may end up it may end up pulling us down a path of a back and forth or two here. I don't know. But yes, Smiley Bros. There is such a webpage that shows you then next week we'll be there for our tavern tour stop in the month of April. Can't wait for it. Hey, JMV, do the Colts have a number one or a number three receiver? I think Pittman is a number two, but who's the one and the three? I think Pierce is a four. So should the Colts go quarterback, wide receiver in their first two picks, do you think? You are asking, well, in terms of if you hope that it's a wide receiver, you're asking the right guy. I always will say that. And let's face it, too, with Gardner Minshew, even with that conversation, I brought up you know the fact that, you know, that obviously – now, they're going to be drafting a quarterback. You have to find as much support as possible. So, yes and then yes is what I would say. But a lot of you might disagree because there are also other holes and things. Like, the, for example, the cornerback uh, position. I brought this up a little bit earlier today as well. You kind of look at the offensive line, and we talked about that a year ago as being an absolute mess. But their hope is what some people brought up to us when we explained about that mess. And it was messy because the quarterback was so bad. Zero escapability, no arm strength. There was just zero for them to do. Now, what would sound like a complete excuse probably has at least more than a shred of accuracy to it. So their belief is, and I'm not suggesting they're not going to try to add to it, but their belief is, outside of trying to find an answer at right guard, it is going to be the core that you knew the core was going to be a year ago. You go Kelly, you go Nelson, you go Smith. They believe that the left tackle is going to be Bernard Ryman. Now me, and again, I know I sound like Mr. Pessimistic here. But to me, we haven't seen enough to draw a conclusion that it's going to work, but they believe that it is. So that is the direction that they're going to go. 
So that that is a thought right there. Last year was more with the offensive line about the horrible quarterback play, which led to a horrible offense. You're going to see much of the same. Clearly, they're going to have to come up with a solution at right guard, but you are going to see much of the same with that offensive line in mind. But no, Patrick, get back to that. You mentioned wide receiver to me, and I say, yeah, you got to give what you're going to draft an opportunity as best you can at weaponizing this team, which clearly it has gone without at the level on which we believe it should be. You know, even in addressing it, you need to address it again. Quick break and we'll come back. Your calls, Grace Berger of the Indiana Fever coming up on the other side. 93-5107 by the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tony East, Kevin Bowen. Colts quarterback Gardner Menchu podcast, 1075thefan.com. If you miss Gardner Menchu at all, you got to double back and listen to it. Always a good conversation right there for real. Big show coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about that inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm actually being asked if maybe we could have a tavern tour stop at the office lounge in Bloomington. Uh, the office lounge is all out on the east side. It is near the junction of 46 and 446, back where I had a start or one of the starts in radio at Bloomington's B97, right there in Century Village. But the office lounge, I'd actually drop that in there about a possibility. Now, I would also said the Highland Lounge, but I don't think on the west side the Highland Lounge is open any longer. But there's a place down in Jasper, obviously the Schnitzel Bonk that I brought up before. So we shall see. But Tavern Tour Stop is coming up a week from Friday. Dave Smiley Bros and everybody else, that's where we're going to be. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. We know where she's going to be in the WNBA for the Indiana Fever, the seventh overall selection in the 2023 WNBA draft. From IU, Grace Berger joins us now. Hello, Grace. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I am so happy for you. That was so awesome. I know. I, I you, you got up. And I was kind of curious when you got up after you heard your name called, did, did, I mean, how, what was your initial thought? I mean, it was, it was surprise. I'm assuming you knew it was going to happen, but it, it, uh, it was cool. Your reaction. I mean, it wasn't, you know, over emotional, it was just kind of like, wow. And you were just trying to soak up the experience is what it looked like. What did it feel like to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a, a super nerve wracking um, experience from from the jump. Um, I didn't sleep a whole lot the night before. Uh, I felt like I was shaking all day, so I had never been that nervous for a game or anything. So um, it was a little out of character for me. Um, and then, I mean, you know, I knew I, I was probably going to hear my name called, but you never know, you know, until it actually happens, uh, what it's going to feel like. Um, and I think, you know, I was just a lot of emotions. Um, but the biggest one was just, you know, super grateful because that's something, you know, I've been watching WNBA draft since I was a little girl. 
um, than to obviously be there with my family and the coaches and the people that have worked so hard to get me here. Um, it was just a lot of a lot of really good emotion. When you uh, looked at your family around you, did that help you? kind of break up a little bit because to, to me and obviously just watching you play I mean you you're pretty calm cool and collected in any situation was that one that maybe kind of got away from you just a little bit because you look at your family this is this huge moment that you've dreamt about for so many years did that kind of catch you a little bit yeah it definitely did I I you know I most of the time am cool calm and collected on the court but I definitely was not um, at the draft before I heard my name called. Um, and I think my, my parents were kind of the same way, a lot of nerves, but, um, you know, just to be there with them, like, I, I, I'm just so grateful. And I think it's something that um, we all accomplished together. It wasn't just me. Um, it was my parents. My sister was there. And, and then obviously Coach Moore in Indiana was there as well. So, um you know, we all kind of shared in the, on those emotions, and it was just a moment I'll never forget. So Grace Berger of the Indiana Fever, the seventh overall selection, and a couple of days ago, the WNBA draft from IU on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. When did you find out that uh, you were going to be the Fever selection at number seven? Was it at that moment or a couple of minutes prior? But when did you know? Um, I found out with the rest of the world. I found oh, really? out. Um, yeah, as soon as everyone else did, we had no idea. Um, I knew it was, you know, I was hoping it would have been a, a possibility. I was hoping, obviously, that I'd get to stay close in a state that, that means so much to me. But, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, truly had no idea. Wow. I, see, that even impresses me more because I thought you were really calm when your name was called. Uh, and considering it was Indiana and considering it was number seven and you didn't know, I'm even more impressed where, you, you know, you kind of keep your nerves down a little bit. Because I, I thought maybe from your reaction, you might have known a little bit, but you didn't. That's impressive. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I'm not a super um, emotional person. I don't really show my emotions very much. So, um you know, in that moment, I was definitely emotional and, and very excited, whether I showed it or not. So Grace Berger with us. Do you you mentioned you've grown up watching the Fever and you've watched WNBA games. Do you watch all of basketball? Will you sit down and watch basketball, whether it's you know collegiate NBA, you know WNBA, whatever? We sit down and watch that over other stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, it, people ask me all the time how I you know get away from basketball when I'm not on the court. But uh, the truth is, I never really get away from basketball. I'm always watching it, whether that's um, NBA, men's college basketball, obviously women's college basketball, and WNBA in the summer. Um, it's just what I love to do. I mean, I love the game so much. I love the X's and O's. I love um, everything about it. So in my free time, I don't really get away from basketball. I, I always have it on the TV. Who are some of your favorites to watch? If you're going to sit down and, I mean, really be intent upon paying attention because you just seem like somebody that is is always trying to hone the craft there whether you know it's with a basketball in your hand or just kind of studying it but who would you watch to really pay attention to that you like and and you respect and enjoy watching in the game of basketball um i mean i would say a lot of point guards are, are who i really enjoyed watching i'm obviously point guard myself um so i like to learn different things sabrina unescu um obviously everyone knows that name is someone i've loved watching since you know she was in high school and i was 
you know, in middle school, uh, just the way she, she handles the ball, the way she makes read, the, the way she passes. So um, I always turn it on when, when she's playing. I go back and watch film on her uh, and just try to take, take little things from her game um, as well as I can. You know, I mentioned this too. It always seems like that you're either paying attention, watching, or you're you're playing. When you were growing up, when you were much much younger, and this basketball love, this joy that you have, was being formed, were you somebody that would come home, get off the school bus, whatever, and grab a basketball and go out and shoot without being told? Yeah, that was definitely me. I had to. My parents actually had to force me to come in because. <laughs> Um, I'd be dribbling in the in the basement at like 1 a.m. and waking my brother up, waking my whole family up. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was obsessed with it. I was completely ate up with the game. I, I loved it um, from an early age. So uh, my dad put a hoop out in the driveway, and I'd make him make him rebound for me, whether it was raining, snowing, 30 degrees outside, whatever. He he'd be out there with me. So. Uh, I definitely, you know, was one of those that had to be forced to come inside. Grace, as your game evolved, what did you concentrate or what do you think you concentrated the most on to hone it as to get you to be? Because you sound like a person that's never going to be satisfied. You're always going to be working at it to get better. But what did you work on the most that helped you get to the position you were in and being drafted seventh overall the other night? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to – um, pinpoint a specific skill because I, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on is being uh, multidimensional, being someone that, you know, has a unique skill set and that they can they can rebound, they can play defense, they can play on both sides of the ball, they can score, um, handle the ball and pass. So um, I've always worked on, you know, everything really. I mean, there's never been one thing I specifically worked on. I think a big thing um, in college that, that really helped me out was, was my conditioning, getting in the weight room um, at IU. That's a, a really big piece of what we do and something that can really separate you from others. So um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that's helped me. But, um, you know, really I'm, I'm always focusing on, on pretty much every skill you could possibly think about in my workouts. It's uh, Grace Berger of the Indiana Fever on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So is are you going to be specifically a point guard? Might you move around a little bit in – the backcourt with the fever or because it's so darn early you got the radio host asking you stuff that you simply don't know yet what do you think yeah you'll have to ask um coach sides that question uh, <laughs> i'll be happy to do whatever she wants me to do uh, you know I, I played three three different positions in college so i feel like you know whatever position i get thrown into in a game uh, i have experience there so um, i'll be confident no matter where i'm at did you think in that draft that that could have been you going to the Fever at seven? Because I don't know how it works compared to, for example, the NBA draft or the NFL draft. Did they did they do any conversations with you? Were they interested? Could you tell? Were other teams interested maybe that you could tell? How did all that work leading up to you being drafted? Yeah, so um, the past two weeks has just been a lot of calls, um, a lot of Zoom calls with, with different coaches, with different GMs. Um, you know, getting to know them, them getting to know myself and, um, you know, just, just talking about their different franchises and, um, you know, talking about myself, getting to know me. So, um, you know, I certainly knew Fever were interested. Um, I saw them at a lot of my games this year, obviously, where we're close to the road or close to, to Indy and Coach Dunn is um, really close to Coach Moran at IU. So um, they were there for a lot of games. I knew there was interest, but, 
um, you know, like I said earlier, you never know uh, truly what's going to happen until you hear your name called. Mm. So Grace Berger is with us. I want to get back to your career at IU, and you mentioned, you know, how much Terry Moore and your head coach in Bloomington means to you, certainly your teammates down there. When you have a moment to reflect on your collegiate career, how does that make you feel considering what you see in your rear view that you were so important as a piece to help build this thing foundationally on how successful and popular basketball has become with the women in mind at Bloomington? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I haven't even really had time to, to reflect on, on my college career a whole lot because, you know, in the women's games, it's such a quick turnaround. You, you lose an NCAA tournament and then the next day you're talking to WNBA teams and preparing for the draft. So uh, it's kind of been a whirlwind, but, um, to, you know, to say I'm grateful for the experience is definitely an understatement. Um, I loved everything about my, my time in Indiana. I loved everything about Coach Moore. And um, I think, you know, what, what probably made me the, the most proud and what I'll, you know, look at for, for many years and just be so grateful for was the crowd support, was the community, um, the community of Bloomington, but really the whole state. Um, just seeing how excited they, they grew to be about women's basketball, um, not just at IU, but, but the different colleges across Indiana and obviously the professional level with the fever. Um, to see people, you know, to see a couple thousand people in the stands my freshman year back in 2018, to see a, a packed full assembly hall um, this year, you know, multiple times, not just one or two, but multiple times for multiple games. Um, I mean, that that's unbelievable. That doesn't happen everywhere for women's basketball. So, uh, I think just being a part of that rise was what was you know ultimately most special to me. I was going to ask you that too, and Grace Berger joins us. I mean, when you got there and you you were there as a freshman, did you ever envision the popularity of your team and that program getting to the point to where you saw it? And you mentioned a couple of packed houses at Assembly Hall. Did you think as a freshman that it would reach that level as you were there on campus playing for the Hoosiers? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I think I, I think I did. Um, I grew up in in Louisville, and um, if you know anything about Louisville women's basketball, there's there's a lot of fans that go to those games, and I never understood why, um, you know, IU women's basketball didn't have that same support, didn't have those twelve thousand people every night coming to the game, um, and I always just just thought it was a possibility. And Coach Moore and um, obviously, you know, realized that it was a possibility as well. People are crazy about basketball in Indiana. I think it was just a matter of, you know, exposing more people to, to Indiana women's basketball and what we were all about. Um, obviously winning helped, uh, making the Elite Eight, making Sweet 16s. But uh, I think, you know, once once those people uh, kind of first got exposed to, to IU women's basketball, what we were all about, uh, what Coach Morin, you know, per- made the program, I think uh, they, they wanted to come back for more. So it wasn't just people coming for one or two games and never coming again. Um, they came, they, they realized what we were all about and um, how exciting we were, how exciting of a product women's basketball is, and, and they, they're going to keep coming back, hopefully, uh, for a long time down the road. Did you uh, understand and get the vision of Terry Morin pretty quickly once you got on campus in Bloomington? Yeah, I mean, I did the, I, I did before I got on campus, just hearing her talk um, in interviews and then obviously during the recruiting process. Um, Indiana meant a lot to her. She's, she's obviously from Seymour right down the road. So um, I think I could just see how important it was for her. I could see how determined she was. Um, and if you ever meet Coach Moore and, you know, once she puts her mind to something, she's going to accomplish it. You can tell 
just from talking to her, um, just because of, you know, how, how hard work working she is, how competitive she is, and just how motivated of a, a human being she is. So, um, you know, she convinced me pretty quickly when I was about 16 years old, and, and I was fully convinced and, and just fully invested to give everything I had to, to accomplishing, you know, her vision. It's, uh, Grace Berger of the Indiana Fever, kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. This may be a little bit more rough to revisit, but how long did it take you getting over that loss to Miami? Um, I think it's going to take a, a lot longer than just the, the couple weeks that it's been. Um, that one, that you know, the, with the with the goals we had in mind, that one's probably going to sting for a while. Yeah, I wonder too, because again, we we've talked about and remarked about how you're you're cool and calm and collected, and I mean, you can't really tell most of the time when you're on the floor whether or not you're you're losing or winning. I mean, that's just kind of how you know balanced you are with that emotion in mind. But at the same time, it would seem. The high level of competitor that you are, that that would be a tough one still. You probably still grasp and grapple with that a little bit right now, don't you? I am. I mean, you know, definitely anytime your your college career comes to an end, I think it's an emotional thing. But, um, you know, for someone like myself that's just had such a great experience there, um, and IU means so much to me. Um, it means everything to me, um, you know, from, from, from the staff to, to the players to the entire athletic department. Um, Scott Dolson, the athletic director, everyone. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, a place that's near and dear to my heart. Um, but at the end of the day, obviously winning isn't everything. Um, so I think I, I, that loss, you know, stings and is going to for probably the rest of my life. But I think, you know, I can look back on my time in Indiana and really just be grateful for, for all that we did accomplish as opposed to, you know, sulking on those things that we that we didn't accomplish. Did you watch the re- the rest of the tournament? Did you watch the national championship game? Uh, honestly, no. I'm I'm too you know competitive. I was too um, upset about the loss still to even to even tune in. So um, I kept up with the scores, obviously, but but I wasn't able to turn on the TV and watch it. One of the reasons why I asked that is, and and you can still I think clearly answer this even without have watched that as you mentioned. The the growth and the popularity of the women's game, it seemed right. to, in, in, you know, your time at IU, certainly what you built foundationally down there, but you can just see it around the nation. So many more people are, you know, actively involved in watching and paying attention and being interested in this. It seems like now more than ever. Is that something you can see as well? Oh, absolutely. I think it's just a matter of, of getting that exposure, getting more you know, media attention, getting more television broadcasts for the women's game and just, you know, it, exposing people to the game. Um, I mean, it's something that I've loved since, since for as long as I can remember. I always thought, I always knew um, how exciting of a product it was, how many great, um, extraordinary, extraordinary athletes you had in this game um, that spent so much time perfecting their craft. And, it, and it's just so fun to watch. I mean, it's a great product. Um, so I don't think it's anything – you know, wrong with the product. I think it's just a matter of continuing to get more and more exposure um, so more and more people can, you know, ultimately see how exciting um, it truly is. So, Grace Berger from IU, a member of the Indiana Fever, before I let you go, um, are you excited about teaming up with Aaliyah Boston, who was the number one overall selection of your team, the Indiana Fever? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Who wouldn't be excited about, about being Aaliyah Boston's teammate? Um, I was able to play with her a little bit at USA basketball um, two, two summers ago. 
Um, and I think, obviously, you know, you realize how special of a player um, she is. It's not hard to, to see that if you turn on a game very quickly. Uh, she's great in the post. She, she makes other players a lot better. She makes everyone out there's life easier. Uh, but I think, you know, what I'm most excited about is the person that she is off the court. She's, she's a genuine person, uh, a person that I can't wait for, for Indiana women's basketball fans to, to get to meet and get to see um, just how, how great of a human being she is. I mean, she's someone that, that I think is, is really going to thrive in Indianapolis, and I'm, I'm thrilled to kind of show her around and just thrilled that she gets to be um, an ambassador for women's basketball in our community. When's your season start? The season will start um, like the middle of May. The training camp will be um, the end of April. Uh, you get a chance to to do anything at all? I, I, like I'm sitting here right now thinking I'm going to ask you to get a chance to get away from it from a moment, but I, I don't think you ever get away from it. So probably not, right? <laughs> no, not really. Um, I took a couple of days off after the season. I was able to take you know four or five days off, but I don't want to stay away from the game too long. So um, I'll go up uh, Monday. Um, get my physical, and then, and then get to work after that. Awesome. I'm very happy for you. I mean, I really am. I love what you have helped build down in Bloomington with the women's program that will continue after you. Now, you, I'm assuming you've heard from all of your teammates, those that are still in Bloomington, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. They had a watch party, and, and they're super supportive, so they're excited to come to games for sure. Is uh, when's, is Sydney Parrish going to make a video of you sometime and put it on TikTok? I'm excited about that. TikTok yeah, video? Big TikTok person, but I'm sure Sydney will figure out a way to get me in one. Well, I think she does like every one of the social media outlets, right? So, I mean, oh, I, yeah, she's, yeah, she's great at it. She's into it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe she'll get me in a TikTok one of these days. I bet you will. I'm betting. Hey, congratulations on being the number seven overall selection and being a part of this Fever team. And I'm sure we'll talk with you further down the road. But the best of luck and, and congratulations on all the success so far. Grace, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. It's uh, Grace Berger of the Indiana Fever on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. It's funny, in terms of of the NFL and and the Colts, what has been described as Shane Steichen is all ball. You guys have probably heard that a couple of different times, right? Maybe not from me, but from somebody else. He is all ball. Um, Grace Berger is all ball. All basketball. That's why, you know, you want to ask, you got a little time to get away from it. And when when you're like that, you never have time to get away from it. It's funny. You talk about it from a, a younger girl standpoint. You know, I asked that question regarding when she was growing up. Did it take her parents to say, hey, go grab a ball and go outside? or if she would just do it on her own. And that is the difference. That's the difference in, you know, having those aspirations, those dreams reach reality and 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 sometimes not is just that self-motivation, the want to to do it on your own. To go grab the basketball without, you know, your dad or your mom telling you. Without any added motivation. It just seems like that that is you know, an endless yet enjoyable treadmill of still trying to accomplish what you believe to. I mean, that's self-motivation to a T right there. And as folks around here has, they've described Shane Steichen as being all ball. Uh, that's exactly what Grace Berger is, all ball and all the time.
Quick break, and we shall return with you. If you want to call, got time for you, 239-1070 on the other side of Busy Show so far. That was Grace Berger of the Indiana Fever, Gardner Minshew of the Colts, Kevin Bowen of this station, and Tony East of nearly everything that covers the Pacers. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Quick break. We're back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, uh, Three. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan hey, Grace Berger, podcast 107.5thefan.com Always good on the show Gardner Minshew of the Colts, the quarterback a little bit earlier for the first time on this show Kevin Bowen, Tony East, the podcast 107.5thefan.com Inside the lounge via YouTube Live A shout out to Mike Poe I owe Mike a call, by the way My bad on that too Gritty's in there too I love the office lounge My ex-boyfriend and I went there quite a bit Played pool I love the office lounge too I'm right there with you, Gritty Right there. Uh, JMV at 1075thefan.com. So, JMV, this morning on the morning show, the guys were talking about their prom song. Mine was Stairway to Heaven. What was yours? Well, we had two really sucky ones, junior and senior year. Um, For whatever reason, uh, those that, that ended up choosing the song did not take my choice, which is just the first massive mistake that you make. So, junior year, it was, I had Shake You Down by Gregory Abbott. Uh, They went with Benny King and Stand By Me. Just an incredible amount of numbnuttery happening right there. I love them. I do, but it was a bad mistake. And then, senior year, I wanted to go with, because I was about, I was about doing some work. So I said, how about Ready for the World and Love You Down? That got voted out for that stupid, dirty dancing crap. And not She's Like the Wind Through My Trees. (laughs) No, I had the time of my life. Oh, just brutal. Now, granted, you say yours was Stairway to Heaven. Uh, most of the uh, the hillbilly high schools like Bloomfield and others, I think, had Stairway to Heaven basically nine, ten years running. But I'm not going to make fun of them as much as I'll make fun of us because just two bad decisions. Again, not going with me. Not going with what I said. You're always better with listening to me with regard to that. Maybe not anything else, and that's okay, but with regard to that, it is always better to take my advice. Because what I can do, I can create the moment for you. Now, it's up to you after I create the moment. It's like Luther Vandross song. All right, Luther Vandross, you can put that on and create the moment, but after that, it's up to you. And if you got no game, forget about it. Now, Larry writes this, hell of a show today. Grace Berger is awesome. I'll definitely watch more Fever games to see her play more. Fun as hell to watch. All ball right there. That is very true. 
Man, you can absolutely see it, and I know that you can hear it. An afternoon baseball going on. I'll get a check on some of those games, including the Cubs and the Mariners from Wrigley Field in Chicago. Wild one last night, by the way. Wild one last night. We'll get those scoreboard updates for you, and we got playing games from the NBA coming at you later on tonight. A pair of good ones last night. No, my day's ruined. Top of the ninth inning, Cardinals up 6-4. Day's ruined, Leanne. Day stinks now. 5-2, Mariners over the Cubs. I don't know if I want to see the T. Barnhart watch. Uh, Tucker 0-3 for 3 at the dish in that start today. Marcus Stroman got the loss. 5-2. Uh, Seattle's a good team, by the way, in case you did not know. Now, even with the way that they handled the lead last night and lost in Chicago. Mark is at 239-1070. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hey, real good, John. How you doing, bud? Fantastic, buddy. Good to hear from you. How's the big green egg world going out there? Oh, man, it's it's uh, it's sizzling. It's hot. I can't uh, imagine. I bet people right now, because we know a lot of people, they got a big green egg for Christmas, <laughs> right? I bet yep. those things are getting fired up across the state right now. Oh, with this great weather yes. and uh, everything going on with the uh, just the summer grilling season or spring grilling season, yeah, it's 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 starting to rock and roll. I got to tell you though, yeah, I love that interview with Gardner Minshew, right? Right. And he said he liked to cook. He does. So I'm listening. You I know, know. I'm outside. I, I know. just bought some really nice plants from Sullivan's Hardware, <laughs> and I was just putting up a big thing that my wife wants and hang these, you know, uh, potted plants and stuff. And he says he loves to cook. And I go, I know. John, I know. Tell him he's got to cook on a big green egg, and I yeah. think we got to get him. We got to get him hooked up with Pat. And we got to get them cooking on a big green egg. I whiffed. I, Mark, I whiffed, man. And I have no excuse. I don't. That was just a huge failure by me. And I, honestly, you know, I was, I was thinking about it at the time because, you know, I, I thought that when, when I mentioned, you know, Brent Halverson and because, you know, the, the whole dead end company thing, I thought, wow, you know, this is a, a good local tie-in. And then the more I thought about it, when I saw you on hold there, I thought, you know what? I whiffed on that. With regard to him wanting to cook on the big green egg, yeah, that's my bad, inexcusable. Well, if, he, if he likes to cook, he's he's going to love to cook outside on the best grill ever invented, and uh, I think it's just something that we need to hook him up with. And I can talk to Pat about it, and we can get him get him set up. But I got to say this too. Yes, got to say this. Your boy Joel Childress over there at Carex yes. in Brownsburg. You know, I got like six cars. <laughs> he takes care of every every time I go in there. I'm in and out of there in 30 minutes. You know, yep. it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I got three four. I got three fourteen on my truck right now, and they they maintain it. Oh, they so. do. They do. And don't forget, I've got a cover for you and a convector, which is that indirect cooking plate. And I got to hook up with you and get you these items because you're the man. I appreciate you, Mark. Thank you very much. And sorry on the whiff with Gardner Menchu. That's bad. Well, we'll get him again. We'll get him in a couple of weeks. Get him back on. I really like that interview. No, he's and I great. I really like his yeah. uh, positive mental attitude. I mean, he had the type of attitude that I think that uh, Colts fans are going to love. Here's what, here's what I love, too, is he, he's out there. He's business, right? He wants to get the job done, and he loves a challenge, but he also wants to have a lot of fun while doing it. 
So I, yeah. I dig that. That's exactly how I, I want to be. I don't want to go anywhere. And I know that there's no perfect world out there, and you're never going to be able to completely do that. But I don't want to go anywhere that I know it's not about to be fun or you can't find fun or create fun or have an enjoyable time with somebody. That's the type of personality he is. That's the type of older age-wise personality that I am, and I can respect that. Okay, but I want to say one last thing. Sure. We still need an offensive line for the Colts. I'm sorry, but wasn't that our Achilles heel? Yes. I mean, I, I really was. liked our last quarterback. Uh, what's his name? I'm sorry. You like Matt Ryan? I, well, no. Ryan was, would have been okay with a good offensive line. And, and I'm just – if we don't shore up that offensive line – I don't care who they bring in here. The guy's going to be running for his life. So that's got to be addressed. Mark, I'm going to see you. You let me know where I can meet you. You can go to our uh, tavern tour stop coming yep. up next I'll week. We'll be there. up there, too. I'll see you so, there, buddy. So Mark with a big green egg right there. I mentioned this a little bit earlier regarding the Colts' offensive line. Uh, their belief is right now, and I'm not suggesting they're not going to add a piece or draft a piece. Um, that's funny. You want to laugh. But I'm, I bet they probably do. And certainly, you got to find at some point a a right guard. You would think. I wouldn't think that it's on their team right now, but let's face it: the core that you see is the core that's going to play. And you're saying, "Well, wait a minute! All you did was piss and moan last year about this offensive line. The offensive line is terrible. They're overpaid." Chris Strasser, bad offensive line coach, yeah, as if we know what we're talking about as far as who's coaching well and who isn't as an offensive line coach. So I try not to be hypocritical, but I did talk about it in that way. But I can tell you that the belief is there that it was more so that O-line playing at that level, that bad, it's more so the quarterback that couldn't do anything than it is the offensive line. Now, you can also make the argument is, well, the offensive line is just not as good, not as versatile as people had described it to be because you you don't have a guy that can't escape. You knew that going in, and then you found out that he didn't have the arm that was necessary, couldn't protect him whatsoever, really couldn't protect anybody. But they believe a change in quarterback is regardless of if we're talking about a rookie or if it's Menchu, can help make this offensive line better. They also believe that Shane Steichen in here can help make this offensive line better by what he's going to do offensively. I'm not here to suggest that it's going to be. I'm just telling you what their philosophy is right now. Their belief is Bernard Ryman at left tackle is the future. Their belief is Quentin Nelson is still as good as what they believe. Their belief is that Ryan Kelly can have a bounce-back season. Find a right guard, and then their belief is in Braden Smith. Now, I will say this. I don't know how much how much of an option they have regarding the core guys that we're talking about here. I, I don't know how much of an option they have you know, with Nelson and Kelly and Smith. I mean, you kind of have to believe. And there were rumors regarding Kelly – and going back to the combine and, you know, at the start of free agency, there were rumors that he was on the market. But if he's going to be back, then he's going to be the guy. And I don't think they have much of a choice right now in what they're thinking about doing at left tackle. You know, unless they make an adjustment, they pick somebody up 
unbeknownst to us right now, but certainly down the road. But their belief is that Bernard Ryman can be, after his rookie season, that guy moving forward. That's their belief. Bounce back, I guess, is what you'd call it. My senior year at Richmond, I believe our prom theme was Just Another Night. Like, Just Another Night. Like, what song was it? I must have missed that with Kevin and Quarry this morning. My story's sad. I have it right there for him. Silver Platt. I mean, all the fella. Come on, fellas. Love You Down by Ready for the World. That's easy. That's a slow dance spectacular right there. You wouldn't be able to slide a piece of paper between you and your date. I'm saying that right now. And Blake's going to his first one coming up on Saturday. <laughs> I'm going to have to play him a prom song. But again, the moral of the story here is, seriously, just listen to me on that. All right, I can help. Get it done. I'll set the mood. I'll set the tone for you. And then after that, it's up to you. And the Eastern folks remember that and remember that well. Hey, JMV at 107.5thefan.com. It drives me absolutely nuts that the Colts have zero interest in Lamar Jackson. Can you tell me why, why, why? Well, I've told you a number of times. Um, it, It starts with... They want to draft a quarterback, and that altogether is true. They want to start with a rookie quarterback this year. But it also has a great deal to do with, again, what the owner wants, and the owner doesn't want to mess with what Lamar Jackson wants. As you've seen around the NFL, nobody does. Nobody is going to as long as Lamar Jackson wants what he wants. Now, again, you can do whatever, and then Baltimore still brings him back. And the argument certainly is had, you bring in Odell Beckham Jr., why do you do that unless your belief is that he is going to be back? And that's where we were the entire time. But it seems like that there are more than a handful of Colts fans that are upset because the Colts, a quarterback-needy forever team, did not take a legitimate, a significant chance at going out and trying to bring in Lamar Jackson. But that that wasn't going to happen from the top on down. And we could have made up interest and we could have talked about it all the time, but it was a foregone conclusion long ago that that wasn't going to happen. As we talked about with Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier, that may have happened a year ago. Similar circumstances a year ago. Certainly, I could have seen it happen then. You know, before Jim Mercer was outspoken regarding Daniel Snyder, before, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this has been in the works for a while, but once he started wanting to become, as it appears, more of a, a voice among the NFL owners, that's not what the NFL owners outside of Jimmy Haslam want. And I know Bob Kravitz talks about collusion, sure. I'm sure you can go that direction. They they don't want to go down that path. And, you know, they would look at you with a little bit of a side eye, certainly if you were the owner that took them down that path. The Colts, to me, never had an ounce of interest. They might tell you they did because that's what they're supposed to do. 
But I mean, you could have interest just by saying, hey, you know, what do you think? No. Okay. I bet you more about that, that way, that fashion, than it did actual deeply rooted interest. A quick break, and we'll come back for a final time. Tony East, Kevin Bowen, Gardner Minshew, Grace Berger podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. We'll set the scene for tomorrow's show. And by the way, you did notice, right, we're getting closer and closer to all this BS, all this uh, windbaggedness that's going on right now, talking about the draft. We're getting closer and closer to it. Then we'll really find out. And what we'll find out is probably none of us know anything, which I guess sitting here right now, we already know. Sooner rather than later, though, it is on the way. NBA games play in fashion coming up later on tonight. Scoreboard update of Major League Baseball, that and more to close out the show with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James is over there. I'm John. Thank you very much. Close it out with a re-entry from Social D. Reds and Braves later on tonight. That's in Atlanta at 720. I will say this about the Reds, and I know that I come across regarding the Reds as a very pessimistic dude, but with good reason, because they always give you that reason to be that way. A legion of fans in and around the Queen City. As we talked to Lance McAllister of 700 WLW about that very thing yesterday. That understand just like I do that it's basically going to be losing. There's no trust with the ownership. Lance came on yesterday and ripped on the bullpen, which he should. Three years, that's been a problem. Three years, that hasn't been addressed. But I will tell you this. To make sure that I'm accurate and balanced, they can be fun to watch. It hasn't all been bad. They They can hold my interest. The problem that you have is they hang in, they get a lead, You get late in the game, and you just know the outcome. It's not even that you're anticipating the outcome. You just know what's going to happen. You know the end of the story before the end of the story actually happens. And that's a bummer right there. It's certainly tough to handle. But as far as, you know, enjoying and watching, they have been enjoyable to me. So we'll see if they can continue to be enjoyable. They've been enjoyable, but with the outcome that we all expect. Hunter Green gets the ball later on tonight. The scheduled starter at 720, the Reds and the Braves. Afternoon baseball, final, Astros 7, Pirates nothing. 
White Sox a loser on the road in Minneapolis to the Twins. That final 3-1. to one. Yankees 4, Guardians 3. Padres a 5-2 loser in New York to the Mets. Mentioned a little bit earlier, too. Mariners 5, Cubs 2 at Wrigley Field in Chicago. And it's gone final. Uh, shout out to Leanne. Leanne's sick and tired of me telling Cardinal fans I think you suck. Um, I'm sorry I do. Part of that's fun. Part of that's real. Cardinals 7-4 winner, unfortunately, over the Rockies earlier this afternoon. Uh, and a game's ongoing right now. Bottom of seven, Brewers trailing the Diamondbacks 7-3. Marlins 2-1 losers as of right now, top of the seventh uh, to the Phillies. And top of the seventh inning, 3-2 Angels over the Nationals. Everything else. Later on this evening, under the lights, and I would advise you, I know that you guys aren't altogether fans of the play-in thing. Didn't want to see the Pacers as a part of it. I understand that. Um, I want to see them, you know, get experience and win. Like, I would have enjoyed the Pacers last night. I think the problem is, uh, let's say, for example, the Pacers tonight. Had they played one game and got knocked out, everybody's going to say, well, that stunk. That didn't really do them anything. But I would have been fine with them being a part of it because I wanted to see them. There there are different phases of growth that I think you can witness, and one of those is getting used to winning and seeing success, you know, going through the postseason, no matter what level that we're talking about. I thought that there was some value in that. But, no, make no mistake, you're going to have a big offseason regarding that. Man, it would have been a bummer to see them get in the play-in and then get bounced out like, for example, either the Bulls or the Raptors or the Thunder and the Pelicans will do coming up later on tonight. But I will tell you, two games last night were outstanding. It was outstanding watching the Heat get the brakes beat off of them, and it was outstanding. I mean, I don't know if it was a great basketball game, but it was enjoyable to watch the Lakers and the Timberwolves. I did like that. So we'll see if later on tonight it's going to be the same kind of thing. Jason Ellis says westbound I-70 west of Plainfield near State Road 267 is a parking lot. Jason, I would have to ask you this, and I'm not a weather guy. I've checked that traffic guy like Matt Barry is downstairs. But isn't that a common theme? Westbound I-70 west of Plainfield being a parking lot i'm gonna tell you this there is nothing and i don't know how you guys do it more power to you those that drive i-70 home after work and you got i love the sunshine but you got that blinding sunshine in your eyeballs until you decide to turn left or right go north or south and get out of the way but to me it was common knowledge that Basically, I-70, it's kind of like north side. You know what you're going to get into before you get into it. But again, I hate that you're stuck in that particular parking lot. Big Glenn writes this, a JMV. Grace Berger getting drafted to the fever into existence Monday. So excited about the season to get started. Big Glenn, the big Pacers, Colts, and Fever fan right there. Shane Palmer says, if Smiley has the Smiley Bros, JMV needs the JMV Suckers. I could go with that. JMV, at some point, if you're going to talk baseball, you got to stop whining about the Reds and talk a little bit about the Rays of Tampa. Our good friend Tricia Whitaker 
doing work down there with baseball's best to start the season. The Tampa Bay Rays. You know, I probably would if anybody besides you, I think, cared about that, Josh. I probably would. The problem is, even me whining about the Reds, more people are going to whine right there with me and be good with it than not. So there's a little bit of a difference there. There's no doubt. The Rays off to their 11-0 and start, getting the Red Sox again coming up later on tonight. Impressive start, nonetheless. But yeah, probably always going to be me whining about the Reds. Uh, JMV, you talked about Miles a little bit earlier today. Miles was my guy, too. If only his backcourt teammates would play as good a defense as he does. Mike and Beast Grove, that is a priority this offseason. I'm not just talking about, we were talking to Tony East a little bit earlier about you know, bringing somebody in to play defense. I'm talking about these guys. These core guys play better defensively. And while I am thrilled and love Tyrese Halliburton, that is a major hole in the game that he's going to have to work on defensively. And you know what? He will take pride in that on the defensive end, get stronger and be able to deal with it. But guys on this team, guys that are going to be this core are the ones that are going to have to help build this defense and make it better. Not just bringing somebody in, which should be a very eventful offseason. I cannot wait to talk about that forthcoming. Shout out to Gardner Menchu, the Colts quarterback, was fantastic on the show today. So was Grace Berger of the Fever. Kevin Bowen, we called him a numbnut. He laughed. Morning show, Bob Costas with Kevin and Quarry tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. And Tony East, too. James, great job out of you. Tomorrow, right back here at 3. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.